0: the high desert and the great American Southwest. I bid you all good evening and or good morning wherever you may be across this great land of ours, commercially available from the Hawaiian and Tahitian Islands, exotically located out west, eastward to the Caribbean and the U.S. Virgin Islands, equally exotic, south into South America, very exotic, north all the way to the pole, really cold, and in preparation for that big day coming up worldwide on the internet. Thanks to Broadcast.com and the Intel Corporation for all the great work they do. This is Coast to Coast AM, and I'm Art Bell. And it is going to be an historic show tonight. What we are going to be doing in the next hour is the infamous, the famous, the controversial Dr. Reed Alien Alien in the freezer program that's how it's come to be known and it's going to be a kind of an interesting program to do from a number of uh, perspectives one uh, sort of forensically and because we have to we'll probably have dr reed tell his story again but not before we present some additional supporting evidence which you can either take to heart or reject as you will, and there is going to be a significant amount of it. There already is. As a matter of fact, on my website right now are new photographs. Uh, Photographs of the object never before seen, but described during the first show that we did with Dr. Reed. He'll tell you what you're looking at, but they are up there right now. If you would like to see the photos, I scan them myself. In addition, I have the negatives to the original pictures, the uh, obelisk and the alien itself. I have the negatives, and I have had them examined. A cursory examination, albeit, but uh, an examination nevertheless, and they are genuine. Now... We are also going to have um, Harold Chacon, C-H-A-C-O-N. Maybe I'm slaughtering the pronunciation of that. He is a microbiologist, and he did some examination on, I don't know, tissue or some bodily fluids of this alien. I'm not really sure. We'll get the skinny on that. Larry Arthur, who is or was the good doctor's landlord, we'll find out. And uh, Sean Atlante, I believe it is Atlante. Atlante, he's a move-on member uh, in Southern California. So obviously, we are going to be presenting you with a lot of information tonight with respect to this story you have not heard before. I also have the complete history of Dr. Reed, where he did his, uh, where he got his uh, Ph.D. Where he did his doctoral dissertation, his employment history, his education. I've got all of that. All of those things that everybody asked for, we're going to have in this program. So that's what we're going to do tonight. It should be really interesting. It's, uh, it is, as I said, the single most controversial wild story and program that we have ever done. Simply put, that'll be next hour. What do I get just before airtime? Yet another threat from Curtis Slewa. At least uh, that's the way it's written here. Curtis Lewa's latest threat is the title of this, Facts that ejected from my newly uh, rejuvenated Gestintner machine I'm coming to New York. Now, I guess I didn't mention that till later in the show yesterday. I am coming to New York City. And I am going to do that January 10th. And I think it's correct. Uh, you check me on this, but uh, uh, on January 11th, we're going to be on the Today Show. Now, that could be wrong, and it could be the 10th that we're going to be on the Today Show. On NBC, I'm not sure. All of this surrounds the... Unveiling of our new book, uh, that is to say, that book written by Whitley Strieber and myself, Art Bell, called The Coming Global Super Storm, which is going to scare the crap out of you. And I have called, you know, Whitley, <laughs> Whitley and I, I guess, call it different things. To me, it is uh, researched fiction. It is, it is indeed uh, fiction to a degree. In other words, there is a story woven about this incredible worldwide storm, this uh, apocalyptic storm that is described in the book. Unfortunately, the premise of the book is sound. And <laughs> from the time we wrote it until now, Some of what we had was, as I said, researched fiction regarding changing weather patterns, and you know I've been into this now for years. But there is an article now from, uh, ran in the New York Times, ran in the New Scientist, I think Keith is going to get a copy up of it, entitled Freezing Future. And basically, it suggests the North Atlantic current may be changing. And that Europe, and in fact we would say the entire world, is about to face a new ice age. And so if you want something that will scare the heck out of you, then you will read this new book. Now, it's not really out yet. It's not due to be out until the 14th. There are some bookstores, hither and yon, that have the book. Seattle... Some areas have the book already in the stores. We have launched a website surrounding the book. If you go to my website now, uh, newest, latest editions or whatever it is, uh, you know, on the front page there, you'll see uh, the coming global Superstorm website launch, and it is a good website. There's a free screensaver on there for you, by the way, if you want it. Along with a lot of information. Now, we'll be in New York City the week of January 10th. See, they're playing safe. It was supposed to be the 10th. Today Show, January 11th. I don't know. All of these dates are floating a little, but uh, it's just about correct. And the same week, the same day, actually. I call it the day from hell. We're going to be signing books with Lee Streber and myself at the Barnes & Noble at Rockefeller Center in New York City. That's right, Rockefeller Center in New York City. And uh, we'll announce the Times and so forth. So uh, I'm looking forward to coming to Manhattan. Really, I am. But what do I get tonight after after last night saying on the air, just sort of uh, in passing, that we're coming to New York City? I get this. Curtis Lee was latest, right? He heard that you're coming to New York City Art on January 10th, and he can't believe you're not going to broadcast a show from WABC so he can go head-to-head against you. Says he's going to arrange a protest demonstration against you, and that he and his followers, cult followers, are going to stand outside the Today Show studio and whatever bookstore you book, uh, you, you do your book signing at. So I'm, I'm giving him that information out. Barnes Noble, Rockefeller Center. See you there, Curtis, and uh, the guys with the hats, I guess, huh? <laughs> oh, come on, Curtis. You don't think that intimidates me, do you really? I look forward to it. I have a ring, Curtis, and if you're good, you'll be allowed to kneel and kiss it. <laughs> and say I am here to do your bidding in the in the Big Apple. Oh, leader. Well, on to other things. The news, such as it is, um, a chopper down, a Navy uh, chopper, a uh, CH-46 Sea Knight, apparently went down at about 116 or so. In the Pacific, about 25 miles southwest of San Diego, 11 people were on board. They're worried about them. Uh, they're uh, Obviously, the rescue effort is out right now, but they're worried about hypothermia. You cannot spend much time in uh, ocean temperatures uh, such as they are at the moment. Now, when anything crashes, helicopters, airplanes, things that fly, the NTSB is the one that investigates... The crash. And now the NTSB is being criticized. A report commissioned by the National uh, Transportation Safety Board contends the agency is understaffed and overburdened. The report recommends that in air disasters like TWA 800, Egypt Air 990, the government should do more to seek out experts with, listen to this, no economic stake in the investigation good god no economic stake in the investigation so the the clear implication is that in some crashes the experts that have gone to work on what the hell happened and what went wrong so it doesn't happen again may have had some economic interest in the outcome of the investigation yikes yikes So they're going to be looking at that. That's some implication they appear to be uh, uh, suggesting here in, uh, in the news. It looks as though, for the first time, Senator John McCain has a narrow lead over George W. Bush in New Hampshire. Very narrow, but the first time that he's had a lead. Huh. How interesting. Now, I said yesterday, and you know, it may have been unfair, but I, I, I just say what I feel on the air, and the consequences, I guess, be damned. George W. Bush, I am sure, is a fine man. But he creeps me out. He's, uh... There's something about his eyes. Maybe it's that he looks so much like his dad. It's deja vu all over again. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but I'm just not fully comfortable with man yet. Maybe I should interview him. Hey, George, you want to come on and be interviewed up here? (laughs) Maybe that would help. There's just something that does not make me comfortable with him. While on the other side, John McCain, I think, uh, is... a Pretty cool guy. The guy has a temper. McCain has a temper. Now, his camp is busily trying to suggest that's all kind of gotten better and he doesn't really have a temper. Well, who the hell cares? I would like to have a president with a little bit of a temper. I think we could use a president with a little bit of temper. You know, if something ticks him off, then, you know, give him hell, Harry. Doesn't bother me for a president to have a temper. Man, it makes him seem real. No more like a real person instead of somebody silver-spooned to the top. McCain was a POW in Vietnam, tortured. That'll give you a temper. So what's wrong with having a president with a temper, anyway? I don't buy into that one at all. Yeltsin is blasting Clinton for blasting Yeltsin. All about Chechnya. president's criticized uh, Yeltsin's approach to Chechnya and Basically, Yeltsin is saying, it's none of your damn business. And he's really right, when you think about it. Really right. Now, as you know, something crashed in Australia. Something crashed in Australia. It was on CNN all day. Oh, there was a bunch of stuff on CNN I need to tell you about. But something crashed into this town's reservoir in Australia. They don't know what, or maybe they do, but I, I think they do not. All day long, they, you know, people were selling second-hand UFO parts and all the rest of it near this little town, Gyra, G-U-Y-R-A, Australia. I've got late-breaking news that may or may not be accurate. Even if it is accurate, I'm not sure what it means. It says, the mystery object that crashed into a northern and south Wales dam was a small meteorite, police said. Police divers recovered sediment and fragments from the dam, and geologists believe the sediment came from a small meteorite the size of a golf ball. But listen to this. The meteorite, so-called, penetrated the mud at the bottom of the dam and now is embedded about four meters, they say, into the soft granite in the dam, and the divers are going to be unable to remove the object. Emergency services have now left the area. Well, as always, I'm going to say whatever it is in that dam now. Maybe a meteorite. It might be a meteorite. Pretty big swath it covered as it uh, came down to be a meteorite. But what the hell do they know? They're saying they think it's a meteorite in there. But they didn't take it out, so how do they know? Maybe there would be, you know, some sort of structural damage to the, the dam or something if they tried. So that might be the reason, but to call it a meteorite, Without digging the damn thing out, seems to me a, oh well, I don't know, perhaps a little premature. Perhaps more guesswork than science. So there's something in the dam, but they don't know what the damn thing is. Well, all right. Uh, one more little item on the... Uh, Australian situation, because I have a I have a mole inside KNBC in Los Angeles, and my mole sent me the following, which further uh, mystifies me. Something has fallen into the water supply in a farming community, and some are wondering if it was a UFO. Witnesses report seeing a bright green light and an explosion over the dam where the town's water supply is located. Investigators have found what's being described as an impact zone. A crater as big as a truck, they say. The reeds and water around the hole are scorched. The town's water supply immediately cut off while officials looked at the area. They found some fragments of something. What nobody knows, health experts are testing the water. Everything seems normal. Scientists are at a loss as to explain what might have happened. Some think that it could be junk from old spacecrafts or satellites that fell out of space. Others, though... ...are not so sure and wonder if it could be pieces of a UFO... ...still others think it's probably just a piece of a meteorite. Here's a line that'll grab you, though. Divers have searched the water... ...and to heighten the mystery... ...they have found a tunnel. A tunnel! Now, that's what can be seen in seen in, uh, in Los Angeles reported... ...that they found a tunnel. Oh, my word. So I think we have not heard the last word on all of this just yet. I think we've got a real story here. Something came down in Australia. We'll be right back. This is Coast to Coast AM.
1: A very old friend came by today. Cause he was telling everyone in town how to love that beef found and the reasoning. Latest flame. He talked and talked, and I heard him say that she had the longest, whitest hair, the prettiest green eyes anywhere, and the reason they was his latest flame. Though I smiled, the tears inside were burning.
0: Like this record, I'm stuck on it. So I decide to go to New York and Curtis threatens me with demonstrations. I just can't believe it. Curtis, that's you.
2: Wanna take a ride? Call Art Bell from west of the Rockies at 1-800-618-8255. East of the Rockies, 1-800-825-5033. First-time callers may reach out at 1-775-727-1222. The wildcard line is open at 1-775-727-1295. And to call out on the toll-free international line, call your AT&T operator and have them dial 800-893-0903. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell from the Kingdom of Nine. I tell you, Curtis, before you mess with me, you better
0: know you're dealing with a man who can suck the dust, the toner dust right out of a fax machine. Been in use and has 30 or 40,000 faxes that have already gone through it. You don't want to mess with somebody who can do something like that and live. And I've also decided that this ring, the one I now wear, is not the one he'll kiss. This is a sacred ring. My wife has one identical. It's our special ring. So I need a new ring. What I really need is a ring shaped to resemble the human buttocks, prominent buttocks, and then I, I need to probably put I need to coat it with something, so that when he gives it the big, he'll, he'll remember what he did. Why don't you join me in a better place to be? That's MindSpring.com. And that's, there's no contest, you know, between this as a Internet provider and everybody else out there. I mean, there are just nightmares to be lived. Nothing but a heartache. You've probably got an Internet provider like that, right? Nothing but a heartache all the way. <laughs> Bad connections, sometimes no connections, busy signals, people who tell you the problem is you're on your end, go fix it. You don't get any of that baloney from MindSpring. Good, fast, 56K reliable connections, people who care about you. The Spaminator, now other people don't have that. It eliminates all the unwanted email that would otherwise come to your uh, box unsolicited. You know, kind of like picking up the phone and having somebody uh, sell you something when you don't want to talk to them. Who the hell wants a call from somebody selling you I don't know, some stupid kind of insurance usually or something. Look, this is really a better place to be, and that's why J.D. Power and Associates just ranked MindSpring number one in overall customer satisfaction. That would be you. And what a deal. You simply mention my name, Art Bell. That's me, Art Bell. And when you do... You pay for one month of service, and they give you two months of service for free. Now, if you've got a better deal than that, you go get it. But I don't think you do, so call them. The number is one 7464 Now, you can call that number right now if you wish. one 888 7464 I wonder what would happen if you, uh, and don't do this, of course, were to just down your two free bottles of super libido formula when you got them. Probably something completely uncontrollable. Now, earlier today, I was freaked out. I was watching CNN headline news, and and, uh, you know how at the bottom of CNN headline news, they run sort of... Semi-headlines, things that are are not quite big enough, I guess, to do a video story on, but they run them at the bottom of the screen. And I saw this thing about a bank limiting withdrawals to $3,000, and I went, what the hell? And it wouldn't repeat. I sat there, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited, you know, for it to come back up again. It wouldn't come back up. So I picked up the phone. I called Atlanta. I called CNN. They were very nice. And they sent me the story. It comes from Lincoln, Nebraska. Associated Press, as a matter of fact. A policy to reassure Martell State Bank customers in Lincoln, Nebraska, their money would be safe during the year 2000 changeover may just have sent the wrong signal. You see, signs posted by Martell's parent company in not one but four Lincoln branches and other security first banks told customers get this cash withdrawals would be limited to $3,000 between December 15th and January 10th banks nationwide do not fear the y2k bug nearly as much as customer panic caused by a run on banks so that's what the banks I guess are scared of now when contacted I guess by the Associated Press and a million other people, the bank took down the signs saying there'll be no limitation and a spokesman for the company said this posted posted signs may have sent the wrong message now i always thought i could be wrong that the F, uh, the, uh, the federal reserve was the only one who could do something like that but maybe other maybe banks on their own can Anyway, they definitely had that sign up $3,000. That's it. And most banks would say, "Look, it's your money if you, if you want it, uh, you can have it." But as we all know that if everybody goes to get it, it's not, you know, it's not enough money there, even with the additional money they have uh, printed up. So, I I blew a gasket when I saw that, and thank you CNN for sending me this story. So, has it begun? Or was that sort of, you wouldn't think that kind of a thing would be just sort of a casual mistake, would you? I mean, whoever printed up that sign in the bank had to know it would totally freak people out. And what are most people going to do when they see a sign like that? They're going to go get their money. And they're going to sit there in front of the teller saying, by God, you better give me my money. It's my money, damn it. Give it to me. That's the reaction they're going to get. It's going to be the opposite of what they want. So, you know, I know this is a very, very touchy subject, but I think until the banks really see trouble, if there's going to be trouble, they sure as hell don't want to bring it on by putting up signs like this, suggesting you can only get so much money out of the bank. That'll start it. And that's why I I came straight up to attention when I saw this running on CNN headline news. Amazing story, and in fact a true story from the Associated Press. So I thought I would pass that along. Okay, I've got a lot more, but I, I can see I've already... Oh, there is one more thing. This is the last time, the last night, as you know, we've got a new big, big, big book coming out. <laughs> really big book. Maybe too big. Maybe too scary. About the coming global superstorm. But I have authored two other books that I would like you to consider because tonight is the last night. We've got this special going on. Uh, book number one is The Art of Talk. It's an auto biographical thing that I did. It's hardcover, 260 pages, has 60 photographs of me from the time I was in my mama's tummy until, well, until recently, actually. And a lot of behind the scenes radio stuff and a lot of things about my life. Some embarrassing. (laughs) It was pretty brutal. The Art of Talk. I thought if I was going to write something about my own life, I was going to tell the the raw truth, and I did. Now, I've had a lot of static about that uh, since I wrote that book, but that's okay. I don't care. I'm not sorry. I'm glad I did it the way I wanted to do it. And then of course the quickening, which we're now in the middle of, which documents weather changes, world government changes in our society, volcanoes, earthquakes, tornadoes, you know Earth changes, and really is a companion and a precursor to the global superstorm which is a result of the quickening. At any rate, there's a last time for everything. And I've been telling you that I, if you would like autographed copies of these books, then this would be the last year. I'm never uh, going to offer this Christmas special again. Ever. Uh, the last opportunity to get autographed copies. So not only is it the last time that I'm offering this the last year, but it's the last night tonight. This is it. The Art of Talk, The Quickening, both of them signed autographed copies by, available by calling 1-800-864-7991, that's a 24-hour number, and I would assume As long as you're calling, they'll take your order. But this is my last night of the offer. This is it. So if you want them, uh, eventually they'll be, believe me, collector's items. (laughs) Maybe reference books. Along with the new one. The number, again, is 800-864-7991. You can call it right now, if you wish. So, that should catch you up with the major stuff, and I see I've slaughtered most of the hour. Wild Line, you're on the air. Hello. Hello, Art. Hello. Good evening to you. And you? Where are you?
3: In uh, San Francisco, California.
0: San Francisco. Yes, sir.
3: Uh, yeah, I've spoken to you once before when we talked about uh, something to do with uh, Colin Wilson, and I had been talking about Nostradamus with you uh, last year. Yes, and I've been uh, looking into Faculty X. you recall what that is by chance you've read the no,
0: book? Nope. Faculty it had, X. It had to
3: do with uh, the ability for precognitive senses and perceptions beyond the norm, outside our regular
0: occurrence of uh, knowledge and uh, reality. I, I deal with that almost on a nightly basis.
3: Yeah, I walk with you in that with this Curtis Lewa thing, by the way. I hope uh, these devils can leave you alone because you're a very good man. In Curtis is
0: hooded hoodlum chasers yes or maybe they're not hoods
3: well i have an odd story for you that happened to me about a week and a half ago i've read it on air before it's a poem but i'll tell you the particulars i had a tragic car accident a week and a half ago oh no i wrote something called into darkness and i read it at uh, the station ksfo in san francisco but yes i wanted to tell you the first couple of lines and tell you what happened to me all right Uh, crow's been following me around A few know what that foretells, but most people won't talk about it. So I kept quiet as well, then careened my car over a precipice into hell, into darkness. I broke my vow of silence and screamed. The the crow flew past my shattering windshield, dark feathered omen, jet black eyes glistening. Even a St. Christopher medal, lost between the seats, shrieked as we fell straight into darkness. It goes on far longer than that, but I'll send you a copy. What happened was, during the accident, I blanked out, and when I was uh, looking into the back seat, grabbing all my items before going into the ambulance, the St. Christopher medal had rolled into the back seat, at the bottom of the seat on a black carpet, and it was glistening there. And I told two people the Friday ahead of that, and also several people during the day at a university where I work as a DJ, the same thing. And then the accident occurred about half an hour after I left the building where I told the building guard the same story.
0: Well, is the bottom line here th- that you knew this was going to happen?
3: Oh, it's a precognitive effect, I think. that. Uh, All right,
0: if- then the obvious question is, either you were not a, enough of a believer in listening to yourself,
4: mm-hmm.
0: or it is impossible to change what is going to happen? Uh, you know, who knows which it is. But if you felt it that strongly, why in the hell didn't you change what you were going to do?
3: Oh, because I was headed toward my radio station to have to drive to get there, and that was the only way to achieve getting to my show.
0: Oh, uh, but there's be... always there's always call. You,
3: you, you have a show on? Uh... Oh, I have a radio show uh, on uh, KUSF Radio in San Francisco. I'm one of the
0: DJs. Well, there's always calling in sick, you know.
3: Ah oh, well, it's my duty to be on the air to my fans and people who I've been generally very good to.
0: But well, not had... at risk of death. I mean, you can miss one day. Pardon me. You could have missed one day, not at risk of death.
3: Ah oh, well, I will tell you something interesting. I've had three events like this. One was a water skiing accident. I had dreamed, and uh, many know about that. My family And members... then, and then
0: it happened. Oh yes. Well, see, then what you did is even more inexcusable because you've had two previous incidences.
3: Well, these are interesting only in the fact that I learn from precognition to see other things, and that's why I mentioned Nostradamus.
0: So then, if you were to dream that on Wednesday next, you, you know, a meteor will come crashing through the atmosphere and hit you in the neck, lobbing your head off like a knife through a hot butter, are you going to stay home or are you going to go
3: out and wait for the big hit? Oh, I will foretell that to the world and tell them, beware such as uh, the effects of the upcoming nuclear catastrophe that Ed Dames so succinctly uh, skirts around but says so much about, and I dearly enjoy listening to him.
0: Oh, well, so do I. All right, well, so much for you. Maybe everything, then, is preordained, and you sound like kind of a lackey to uh, uh, to the... uh, the theory that everything is preordained. Why would you not attempt to avoid something horrid, horrible happening to even death? Well, because I got to go on the air. Well, you can't miss one day. No, with two previous clear incidences of precognition, and then uh, an accurate, accurate portrayal of those events in reality. I think I'd think uh, three or four times. On my international line, you are on the air. Hello. Good evening, Art. Good Hi, evening. It's Jeff calling from
5: uh, Edmonton, Alberta. How's,
0: every, er, how's everything up north?
5: Very great. Thank you very much. Uh, just wanted to let you know I picked up your book today. You found you Really? Yes, actually. I, um, there's a big company up here in Canada that's also on the Internet.
0: Wow, so you, you're telling, me, you're telling me Superstorm has made it to Canada?
5: Yes. And she said they got an astronomical amount of copies of it, more than more so than any other books that are coming out right now.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a big book. There's no question about it. It's, it's going to be a big book. It's probably going to be a movie.
5: Yeah, that would be great. Actually. Um, I have a little question for you here. You had a gentleman on uh, like a week or two ago, and uh, he was talking about reincarnation. Yes. And I was wondering, uh, you know, if back in the 1800s we had a lot less people roaming around on the earth, Right. and nowadays we have like this, say, in 6 billion or something. Plus, yes. Um, and I was wondering how all these, where were these extra souls back 200 years ago that, you know, if they say everybody has a yeah, soul?
0: Yeah. Well, I think that you should imagine something called the guff. And the guff is where souls reside that are preparing to incarnate again, or in some cases incarnate for the first time. Uh, And uh, the guff is a very uh, resourced place, Uh, uh, and uh, there are many souls. So I think you might imagine that to be the answer to your question. In other words, some souls are coming here for the first time, Some are coming here after many trips. Occasionally, I would imagine, some souls graduate and don't come back. But there is this place, this place called the guff, where the souls are encapsulated until it's time for their trip. I can't wait. Okay?
5: Thank you very much.
0: You're welcome. Take care. Now, if you ever saw The Seventh Sign, the movie The Seventh Sign, You recall they discussed the guff. And the end days were coming on because the guff was empty. And in the end, uh, the only thing that refreshed the guff, stopped the last days, and the cataclysms that had begun, was this one incredible woman who gave her life for her child. At that moment of birth, she she declared her love for her child greater than her love for herself and her will to live, and she gave up her life and thus saved the world, and the guff was refreshed with additional souls. Wild card line, not a lot of time. You're on the air. Hello. Turn your, ra- t- turn your radio off, please. Yes, sir. You're in a big truck. Yes, I am. All right. Where are you?
6: I am just uh, west of Amarillo, sir. Amarillo? Yes, sir. Spent a lot of time there. Okay. Uh, You have a large and loyal following among truckers, I know, and our thoughts and prayers are with you during your trials and tribulations. Thank you. All right, two things. Uh, First of all, I know what crashed in Australia. What? A weather balloon.
0: (laughs) Are you in the Air Force?
6: Uh, No, sir. I was a soldier. Well, then you ought to
0: be in the Air Force. (laughs) <laughs> Public relations.
6: That's right. But that's going to come out. It's going to be a weather balloon. All right. And the other thing I was wondering about, in view of the latest NASA-Mars debacle. Yes. Um, you do recall that Voyager and Pioneer are still out there and still sending signals back to us? I do recall, yes. I wonder if they're ay UK Y2K compliant. What's going to happen to them? <laughs>
0: Give me a big toot on that horn. All right, later. It's a good question, isn't it? Uh, they've got that little record and little stick people and humans and the DNA and all the rest of it. I wonder if that's Y2K compliant. If not, what does it do? Just stop? I'm Art Bell, and this is Coast to Coast AM.
1: to be covered and then to burst up through tarmac to the sun again or to fly to the sun without burning a wing to lie in a meadow and hear the grass sing, Have all these things in our memories hoard, and they use them to come
0: Appropriate, isn't it? Because this began it all. (laughs) The first facts I ever got from Robert Wraith and Dr. Jonathan Reed said, Hey, hey Art, want to take a ride? That reminded me of the movie, which reminded me of the show, which reminded me to remind my announcer,
2: Ross Mitchell, to do this. Want to take a ride? Call Art Bell from west of the Rockies at 1-800-618-8255. East of the Rockies at 1-800-825-5033. First-time callers may reach Art at area code 775-727-1222. Or call the wild card line at 775-727-1295. To talk with Art on the toll-free international line, call your AT&T operator and have them dial 800-893-0903. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. What you're about to hear
0: is one of the wildest alien abduction, not abduction, alien encounter stories told in the millennium. Probably to rival the 1947 crash, or at least the way it's talked about in Roswell, and some additional occurrences since then that are controversial. Incredible, hard to believe for many, impossible to believe for some. Tonight we will offer additional evidence about what happened to Jonathan, Dr. Jonathan Reed in the woods. It is an amazing, amazing story. During the course of this program, we're going to have to kind of turn it around on you. We will, sort of for forensic reasons, get Dr. Reed to give us a brief rendition of the story again, but... In the meantime, uh, we've got some new information for you. Uh, In a moment, Mr. Harold Chacon, who is a microbiologist and who examined, apparently, tissue samples or blood or bodily fluids or something or another from this alien, the famous alien in the freezer, as it has become known, be known, is going to be here along with Dr. Reed and Robert Wraith, then Larry Arthur, who was a landlord, I guess, for Dr. Reed, and Sean Alanti, who is a MUFON member and has had a, a lot of contact with these gentlemen. So in addition to that, I have Dr. Reed's entire history here, and so I'll try to get to as much of all of this as we can and answer as many questions about all of this as we're able. That's what's on tap for tonight, coming up in a moment. Stay right where you are. No, oh, brother. Like once isn't enough, huh? Here's what After Dark, my monthly newsletter, will tell you. After Dark will tell you about the conspiracies the government will not. After Dark will reveal the discoveries that scientists will not. After Dark will give you serious information on Y2K. The mainstream media will not begin this millennium by opening your mind. After Dark, call one. 1- Order now, and you'll get this free gift, the Mind-Bending New Millennium. It's a two-hour audio cassette, and guess what? It features two of my most controversial guests. First, Gordon Michael Scallion. Are his alarming predictions for the new millennium real? And second... Of course, Major Ed Dames. He uses remote viewing to see the past, present, and future. This tape is a twenty-two dollar value and it's yours absolutely free. Call one eight 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 seven two seven five five zero five NOW and place your order. One year, twelve issues of After Dark, just thirty-nine ninety-five. That's eight 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 seven two seven five five zero five for After Dark and the mind-bending new millennium on audio cassette. Again, here's the number, one eight 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 seven two seven five five zero five. 727 5505 By the way, it makes a great holiday gift. How would you like to look and feel 10 years younger in 10 weeks? Now there's... Proof that aging can be slowed down and even reversed. You've heard me talk several times about the incredible age-reversing benefits of HGH human growth hormone. Well, according to many scientific studies, higher HGH levels can help you look and feel younger. That's why I'm taking Ultimate HGH, a natural formula without hormones, designed to boost your body's own production of HGH. If your goal is ...is to help improve energy, stamina, lose unwanted fat, diminish wrinkles, enhance memory, immune function, and vision... ...then Ultimate HGH is for you, too. When you order two bottles of Ultimate HGH, you'll get a third bottle absolutely free. That's only $33 a month. A tremendous savings off the typical $100 a month for comparable products. Plus, you receive a free audio cassette tape on the incredible benefits of HGH. So... Call Great American Products now at 1-800-557-4627. That's 1-800-557-4627. One more time, 1-800-557-4627. I think I'd better open up with a letter that they sent me that got this show on the road. It says, Dear Mr. Bell, thank you for uh, helping to bring this story to the public. As Jonathan Reed promised to you, here are the negatives of the obelisk and the alien being. You may have them analyzed to prove once and for all that they are only ordinary 35 millimeter color negatives and that, in fact, they have not been altered in any way and have not been digitally enhanced or edited and are not computer-generated. In fact, I have those negatives here. I'll hold them up for you, and I have had them looked at. And there appears to be nothing uh, tampered with. Uh, it, It goes on, though this analysis, through this analysis, it will conclusively prove that the photographs and negatives of the obelisk were not processed, not manufactured nor manipulated in any kind of shadow box illusion or trick, as was previously claimed on the Art Bell Show. Now proving that the photographic evidence of the obelisk craft is a full-size, three-dimensional object that was, in fact, simply captured on film in the woods by Dr. Jonathan Reed and his camera. Thus again proving, once and for all, that they are real and genuine photos of a strange anomalous object that was in fact truly there previous analysis uh, conducted by eastman kodak in new york negatives enclosed 2 35 millimeter negatives in separate white envelopes i have them marked obelisk and one marked alien each negative in a protective sleeve and should only be handled by professional technicians at all times <laughs> Fingerprints. Also, Jonathan has given his permission for you, Art, to scan and post on your website the enclosed never-before-seen photographs of the alien link artifact. And I have scanned those photographs, and they are on the website right now. He adds, please post a copyright, as with the other photos. We have done so. He goes on, these photos illustrate its unique, unusual shape, hieroglyphic symbols, fascinating construction, and the black, organic-like undersurface with its protruding gold needles. It also will illustrate size and dimension. There are three photographs, and I have scanned all three, and they are on the website right now. He goes on, a surprise guest. Unparalleled exclusive on your show, Dr. Reed is willing to introduce you and your audience to Dr. Harold Chacon, C-H-A-C-O-N, a degreed, a degreed microbiologist graduating with honors from Catholic University of Puerto Rico with a BS Master's Program Certificate in the field of microbiology, biomedical research in cell immunology, biochemistry and zoology, currently studying and residing here in the U.S., Mr. Chacon will help from his university have analyzed and documented in detail organic tissue and blood samples taken from the alien creature that Jonathan and his friend Gary were able to hide away and preserve. Mr. Chacon's findings are ready to be released to the public and to the world on your show. Now, there's more Uh, But let us begin uh, by seeing if everybody is present and accounted for. Uh, Dr. Jonathan Reed, are you there? Yes, sir. Welcome back to the program, doctor.
7: Thank you, Art. Good evening, and thanks for having us back.
0: Absolutely great to have you. We have a complete bio on you, on your educational background, uh, the whole thing, and we'll get to that later because a lot of people want it. Uh, Robert Wraith, are you there?
6: Right here, Art.
0: Good. And, uh, Robert, how would you describe your relationship uh, with Dr. Reed?
6: Um. We're very good friends now, absolutely very good friends. Um,
0: Been through a lot.
6: We have been through a lot of hell, absolutely. Um, One thing that I'd like to talk about later in some detail is the fact that it is not a rumor that, yes, uh, Jonathan was shot.
0: I I haven't mentioned that to the audience uh, yet, but yes, indeed, Jonathan, since the last broadcast, right, Uh, uh, Robert? It was shortly
6: after... We had left San Diego.
0: Shot Um, as in shot with a bullet from a gun, that kind of shot.
6: He was shot with a bullet from a gun. It went through his shoulder.
0: All right. We'll we'll get to that story. Um, So we're going to, because we have guests who have to get to bed early, we've got to get through uh, some of the early evidence that we're going to present. And so with us now is Harold Chikan. Dr. Chikan, are you there?
3: Yes, I'm here.
0: Okay. Um, I guess at some point, and you can tell me when, uh, Dr. Reed and Robert supplied you with tissue samples and what we call blood from this alien creature that they had. Is that correct?
8: Yes, that is correct. Yeah, we communicate, and uh, they supply me with samples. Okay. Okay. Um, and I first, I heard about them about Doctor Reed's encounter uh, last time they were on your show. Actually,
0: all right. Uh, well, let's back up a little bit. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, where you studied? Uh, even though I read that, and uh, what your qualifications are to be doing this?
8: Yes, I am uh, a scientist. I study science uh, from a, a university. I graduate, and I'm currently, you know, in a program for a doctoral degree in in science too, in the field of science. And uh, But right now, that was not from the university, the, the university that I uh, graduate uh, That was here in the United States. All right. Yeah. Uh, when did you receive the samples, Doctor? These samples uh, were given to me uh, about June 1999.
0: In June of 99. Yeah. And you received um, exactly what, tissue and blood?
8: Okay, there were actually three uh, samples, uh, tissue samples in vials, and there was one fluid that uh, at the beginning uh, it, we cannot say exactly what it was at that moment but after studying yeah we realized that yeah we were working with blood
0: so in other words you heard the original broadcast so you knew the story
8: yeah yeah and through the website yeah
0: and so then you were contacted uh, independently by... I
8: contacted them
0: you, oh you contacted I them? I
6: contacted them, yep. I see. Mr uh, Chicone Um, emailed us in about uh, April um, and was interested in doing this. And it it was a process. I I spent some time communicating with him. Uh, We talked via email for a while. I checked out his credentials. We then talked on the phone. And then finally I met with him personally after all security measures had been met. We talked again in great detail about this case. And later, um, that's when Dr. Jonathan Reed and myself met him personally together.
0: So you met, and was it at that first meeting you gave him the samples? No, No.
6: it was later on.
0: Later on.
7: All right. I think it should also be mentioned, um, Art, that I think Mr. Chacon was extremely skeptical at the onset
0: well, there yeah you know dr. Reed there are many skeptical of this story you, Absolutely. You, you know that of course
7: and that should be the way it is
0: all right well then let's let's proceed through uh, uh, matters as we should uh, uh, mr. Chacon, yes. what um, what can you tell us about the analysis of the of the I don't know if you want to call it skin or tissue samples and or what's called the blood what what, what, what have you found?
8: Okay. Um, at the beginning, I received uh, three, uh, how I said, there were three tissue samples and one fluid that we called uh, blood. Okay. They were delivered to me uh, in a small medical transport, like a, a freezer type. It would look like if you tried to compare it with a small camping cooler.
0: Kind of mm-hmm. like uh, the, the sort of um, container they keep donated organs in Exactly, okay. uh,
8: where you keep blood and That's you right. keep it frozen, so uh, it preserves any type of sample. All right. Um, after I remove uh, the top of the box and I open the inner seal, uh, the seal that keeps the cold inside, because we use actually nitrogen, um, inside the box there were samples were wrapped in linen gauze, keeping them from banging to each other because they can broke, and they can mix together, and then our problem will be bigger. Of course. And then uh, the samples were analyzed. were analyzed through a microscope, uh, what is called a transmission microscope, and uh, we were analyzed through the electron uh, scanning microscope, too.
0: I guess uh, I should ask Dr. Reed about how these samples were obtained. Dr., uh, did you... Uh a draw blood as it were Uh, is that how you got sample and and with regard to the tissue how did you get that did you scrape it or cut it or what
7: well the samples were obtained first of all during our uh... what shall i say clinical close-up analysis with gary and i my friend gary
0: that that's the time during which those photographs were taken
7: correct okay and the wound on the the creature's head was definitely open and accessible and there was fluid draining at the time, so we were just able to literally
0: scoop uh, it, scoop scrape it up, it up and yeah. put
7: it in a vial.
0: And the same deal, I assume, with the tissue. There would have been loose tissue.
7: There was some ragged edges to the to the wound, and I actually cut some off with the, my exacto knife.
0: Okay, folks, now, you you can see all that by the way on my website in the photographs. You can actually see the wound on the alien.
7: I'd like to add one thing, Art, at this
0: time. Sure. The last
7: time we were on. I had not been in contact with Gary at all. In fact, I asked people if they had any information or knew how to get a hold of him to get a hold of us. All right. About a month after we were on your show and we had given out a uh, email address. That's right. We got an email from some folks who were inquiring if they could get a hold of us to talk about you know, whether or not the Gary we were talking about was, in fact, my friend. This was done very, very carefully. These people were very cautious about whether or not I was actually a non-government-type entity looking sure. for Gary. Sure. Uh, we made arrangements, and, and I sent... Someone to verify, in fact, that this was my friend Gary, because at the time I was very
6: skeptical of everybody. In
7: and you, fact, can, you can well out...
6: imagine why, too. After all, he's of course. been through. Yeah, of and course right. I
0: can. Of course I can. It, it, all right.
6: It, it was quite a process um, with these individuals because they were concerned about Gary's safety and who is this Dr. Reed? Is this really Dr. Reed? Is he really his friend? So, it was quite a communication time. I understand. We made the contact. It was Gary. We
7: did verify this. I made arrangements to go to him, which was a great distance away, and uh, in fact reunited with my old friend. Now, there are many people who have said, well, you sent samples to a university have, to have studied, and then I lost those samples, because I went back to find them and there was no sign that they had ever been there. Right. But Gary and I, during our nine-day ordeal, took a lot of the evidence I had and split it up into groups and sent it in different directions. Good for you. One of the samples that we had sent, Gary mailed unknowingly to me to these people. They took it, did what they have to, and preserved it. Mm-hmm. The samples that were tested is what Gary had sent away. Otherwise, we wouldn't have anything.
0: I understand. All right, uh, Doctor Shkorn. Again, uh, you got the samples. You began the testing. What did you find?
8: Okay. Uh, from the samples, uh, first, uh, when we try to do the first one after unfreezing them, they came in this uh, clothing packaging. We have to freeze them. Uh, unfreeze them. Uh, uh, first sample, number one, apparently, was uh, skin tissue, very actually skin tissue, right. and muscle tissue that was connected together naturally by means of growth. Like would be normally in a human being that you have cutaneous and subcutaneous tissue, and they all grow in a, in a, in a pattern, and they grow attached together. Yes. Uh, the first, uh, when I saw the the samples, they were really, really small. They were actually like, to, to give you an, an, a, a close uh, relationship would be one-fifth of a small pencil eraser. They were really, really small.
0: Small, yes. Okay.
8: But enough to test them. Okay. Uh, the first one, but, uh, we can see that the skin tissue that was viewed under the microscope resembles uh, what is called the superficial fascia or top surface of the skin layer. Uh, this reveal an extremely dense, leathery surface structure of cells set closely, very closely together in, in, in some uniform patterns of growth with about the same elasticity of uh, human skin, I would say.
0: Same elasticity?
8: Same elasticity of Was, human skin.
0: was it, in fact, human skin?
8: Uh, no. No, uh, no. this guy has got some differences.
0: All right. When we get back, we will explore those differences. Everybody hold on. You're going to have to be listening very carefully tonight because we're going to be presenting a great deal of information that you're going to want to assimilate and check out. Remember, this is something you can either believe and embrace as the facts unfold before you or dismiss. That's up to you. It all comes from... The same place, coast-to-coast AM. Stay right where you are.
2: Kingdom of Nye, from west of the Rockies at 1-800-618-8255, east of the Rockies, 1-800-825-5033. First-time callers may reach out at 1-775-727-1222, and the wildcard line is open at 1-775-727-1295. To reach out on the toll-free international line, call your AT&T operator and have them dial 800-893-0903. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell from the Kingdom of Nine. It is
0: indeed my guest, Dr. Jonathan Reed, Robert Wraith, and Dr. Harold Chacon, a microbiologist. And once again, so that you know, a uh, reading from uh, what was sent to me, Dr. Chacon, uh, is a degreed microbiologist graduating with honors from Catholic University of Puerto Rico with a B.S. Master's Program Certificate in the field of microbiology, biomedical research and cell immunology, biochemistry, and zoology, currently studying and residing here in the U.S. And I'm not going to run my commercial break now. We're going to go directly back to uh, our guests. And, Doctor, um, if you would continue, please, the tissue sample... You said uh, was not, uh, had similarities to, but was in fact not human.
8: Not human. Okay, it was uh, about three millimeters in thickness, very, very fibrous consistency, and the surface was kind of light grayish brown. um, Really? Extremely transparent, much more transparent than human skin, much more. Okay. There was no signs of any hair or hair follicles within the surface of the cell structure.
4: Right.
8: Uh, absolutely no no signs of it. Uh, we found some subcutaneous tissue, that's the one that is under the surface, and that one has some sebaceous like glands. Those are the glands that produce usually fat. Uh, but half as many as we found in a human skin.
0: Half as many. Half as many. All right. Uh, are any of these findings consistent with any other living mammals on earth that you nope. know
8: no uh, no probably the one that could be most uh, related probably in some ways not completely could be could be the reptile
0: Repti- reptile
8: but not completely not but completely.
0: but enough difference so it definitely was not um, earthly reptilian
8: no no it's not an earthly reptile no,
0: so no. you're telling me this is tissue from a creature from other than earth
8: From, I don't know, because this is a tissue sample from nothing that we have any data collected on Earth.
0: All right. You also received a blood sample,
8: or what what we are calling blood. What we used to call, yeah, exactly, blood. Uh, Besides that one, besides that skin tissue sample, we have another muscle sample, too. A muscle sample? Yeah, attached to it. Uh, The muscle, uh, it's uh, connected to this layer of skin which resembles, uh, this muscle resembles what is called the occipital frontalis muscle in human skull tissue. Uh, It resembles, but it was kind of yellowish-pink in color. In humans, it's usually red. Hmm. This one didn't have that red, red color. Uh, In closer examination, there was another smaller, fine muscle that was intersecting this occipital muscle, resembling what is called the temporal fascia muscle, in the humans, the two are connected, and in in and it was connected by tendons and fatty fibrous tissue. That that was uh, similar to humans. That is very similar to humans. Very, very, similar similar. To humans.
0: very similar to it humans. So similar, it would be
8: it would be human. Mm, well, not necessarily. No, no, because the the, the samples get some uh, uh, situations that probably resemble human skin. I understand some arrangements, but not completely
0: well I just want to be very clear for the audience that what we are describing here uh, the the tissue even the muscle sample is uh, close to in some respects but different enough to be called absolutely non-human
8: oh yeah completely yeah Completely All right. Not human
0: alright now on okay. onto the blood or what we call the blood
8: okay there's a sample that we call at that time we call it the blood um, This was really, really, really interesting. Uh, The the sample was dry. When you put it to the freezing, you uh, put it into uh, contact with really low temperatures. Usually uh, liquid tissue, because blood is considered a liquid tissue, uh, they get really dry. And we have to rehydrate that tissue again. We rehydrate the tissue with saline solution. And uh, at that time, we're going to be able to uh, study the cells. And is there a difference? The general findings uh, when we tested it uh, reveal a level of oxygen and carbon dioxide and nitrogen-based gases, Uh, but with a slight difference. In this case, there was a high copper sulfate traces.
0: Copper sulfate?
8: Yeah, copper sulfate, really, really high traces of that. uh, uh, um.
0: Copper sulfate?
8: Yeah. The copper sulfate uh, traces... uh, there were white and red-black corpuscles, what are called corpuscles, uh, with elongated nucleus. God, I, I, I want to
0: stop you for just a second yes. and remind my audience that in a recent uh, significant interview we did on animal mutilations, they found missing from the cows what? Copper. Uh, they, they, the, the, the copper content, I think in the liver, if I'm remembering correctly, mm-hmm. was almost entirely missing and it just keyed when you said that to me uh, fascinating so um anyway continue please
8: okay uh when uh, we keep uh, uh sampling uh, and, and testing it we look for chromosomes because we're actually working with red blood cells yes and uh we're looking for for uh more specific proofs and findings uh, And when we did uh, the chromosome study, uh, it revealed that the red blood cells, or what we could be resembling red blood cells, they have a chromosome count of 46, exactly as humans. Okay. This is very human. We have 46 chromosomes, too. But what is really, really, really astonishing is that nine of those 46 chromosomes are not human.
0: Nine are not human?
8: Nine are not human, but... They are only found in dolphins and some aquatic sea tortoises.
0: Dolphin, but the, these uh, nine chromosomes nine are chromosomes. found in dolphins and some aquatic sea tortoises. Yes, yes,
8: yes. This is the only data that we have God. that uh, resemble this type of chromosome that we found in this blood. Is
0: there any way that you can imagine that any creature that we know of could carry such a chromosome structure?
8: No, that is unique. We check um uh catalogs in many many universities and we went through a lot of data and trying to find some relationships between these uh, scientific findings with any animal that we that we know <laughs> that science actually knows in our planet and we couldn't find any way to fit it that was impossible to fit for us
0: um those are astounding findings. That Uh, is uh, uh,
8: really impressive.
0: Have you shared these with colleagues?
8: Yeah, yeah. It was really impressive. Uh, They were, uh, they dropped from their seats actually. Um, We did, uh, in the sampling, we used what is called gel electrophoresis. And it's uh, a technique that we use for uh, sampling uh, genetical material and chromosomes. They have the genetical material. And at this time, at this time, the only thing that we could find that it was closely, closely uh, resembling those nine chromosomes were dolphins only. Dolphins
0: doctor, uh, doctor, I'm just a layman, so I'm going to ask a layman-like question mm-hmm. uh, on behalf of the audience. Um, as you well know, people can tamper with photographs on computers and yes. uh, uh, fake them. Yes. Is there any way that uh, you can see that anybody easily could have tampered with uh, something at the uh, uh, molecular chromosome level to have produced this as a hoax.
8: Okay. Um, in terms of the of the technology that humanity has right now. Yes. Hands, yes. We can deal with genes. Yeah. We can we can uh, open DNA strands. But as you know, even the the human genome is not completely set right now. So we don't even know our own. DNA system completely. We cannot say actually all, how, many, how many genes we have working for certain situations in our body. So it's very difficult right now to tamper something like this. It's very, it would be very difficult to add a chromosome right. to a cell and keep it alive, and, and especially a chromosome because you have to link them all together. Chromosomes, they react to specific metabolic reactions in the body. So for, for right now, I would say that for humanity, it's impossible. All right. No way.
0: Then, then that must mean that, in your opinion, you examined tissue and muscle and blood, what we're calling blood, yeah. of a being not human and not, uh, <clears throat> not of any uh, a, a mammal a construction. Uh, not that...
8: human or any mammal that we have seen or we have ever cataloged in science. Are asking about the other tissue samples. You, you asked. Yeah, ask not, not uh, no, you go ahead. You ask,
0: what? you ask them. What, what, what the other? Gone.
8: Okay, yeah. Talk about the cranial oh. tissue. Yeah, that is very interesting, too. This is the other findings that I'm going Uh In the samples that Dr. Ray uh, gave me, uh, there was apparently, he put uh, the samples from one to four, but in fact, there were five. One of the vials actually contained two tissue samples stuck together due to their growth relationship. It's normally that they grow together. So when Dr. Weiss took uh, this sample thinking that it's just a single thing, he took two, actually. That second sample consists of uh, what it would be brain matter. Uh, In this this case, uh, that would be the third sample. It resembles what is called the dura and the pia matter of the human brain. It resembles them. Uh, this tissue is a very fine vascular membrane, which cushions the brain against the skull. It would be like the folding. It would be like a bag. that The, the brain is actually floating in, inside this bag, and it protects it against the direct contact with the skull bone. This uh, lining, uh, we should call, extends over the entire surface of the gray matter of the brain. So this is covering the whole uh, brain. In this case, was a dense, uh, unelastic, and fibrous material lining the skull inside. Below this tissue, we found what is called the subarachnoid space tissue, and it's like a spongy or a gel-like tissue, uh, consisting of a delicate, connective, fibrous material meshing. Within humans, it's called the subarachnoid fluid. Uh, we found this to be a similar material, but unlike in humans, it contained large, really, really large nerve endings and oval or sometimes round surfaces. These nerves are totally different and foreign to anything we even closely relating to the human nerve tissue and our anatomy. This is completely different. The arrangement is completely different of the nerve. Another really interesting finding is that under close examination, uh, this tissue area did not at all resemble human tissue. In more closely uh, study, the cranial membrane uh, resembles probably the one of a reptilian-type animal because <laughs> you have a much different structural anatomy.
0: All right, Doctor, we're very short on time. You've given us a very great deal of uh, information. Uh, is there anything else critical to get out before yes. we move on?
8: Yes, it's, uh, Yeah. it's something really, really interesting. Um, we found some new structures inside the brain.
0: New structures. New
8: structures inside this. Uh, the only, the only uh, part of the brain. You know that the brain's got certain convolutions. When you, when you look at a brain. Sure. The only part that we have from this sample was what it would be considered the external or the molecular layer. Okay. The fascinating and unique differences found in this sample was the discovery of some angular and tubular straw-like open membranes like little connecting tubes, that they are completely wrapped in nerves and connecting fibers. These uh, little tubes are protruding up and through the base of the molecular layer. So they're coming out of this layer in the brain. Uh, that be the, I should say the brain cells. Uh, they're randomly looping over the top of the cortex only to descend back into this, uh, the surface, what will be the convolution versus. The surface and they're embedding directly into the cells of the body of Purkinje the Purkinje cells are the ones that are related to the electrical capacity in the human brain and they work as an isolation material these cells are actually attached to the axon of the dendrite these are nerve cells but in this case there was a different structure that we don't know we haven't seen never seen this connection before this is truly a new discovery.
0: Doctor I don't know how to thank you uh, for delivering all of this um, astounding information to us. I, I really appreciate your report. Uh, we're woefully short on time. We have so much we have to get to tonight but doctor thank you and um, I would love to see a written summary of your findings as I'm sure the audience would yeah, as well. Yes, there's
8: going to be information to be uh, publicized shortly.
0: All right, Doctor, uh, I'm going to say thank you and uh, and good night to you.
8: Thank you very much, sir.
0: And um, as for the other two of you, um, uh, Dr. Reed yes. and uh, Robert, hold on a moment. Uh, let me take care of what I've got to do here. Holy moly, uh, i got more than I bargained for there. The Super Bajan Radio is sold out now. Listen to me very, very, very carefully. The Super Baygen is different from the standard Baygen in the following ways. It has four-way power. It has the crank just the way the regular Baygen does, but it also has a built-in solar panel, an AC adapter, and a smart power storage system. A fully charged Super Baygen can run for over, get this, 40 hours without cranking. It's got a built-in LED light that is, brace yourself, three times brighter than the Bajin that we have been selling up until now. The light actually mounts inside the radio, and you can pull it out on a cord of magnetic light, very, very bright. And the AM reception on the Super Bajin is super it is easily double, I repeat, double and possibly triple the sensitivity of the standard Beijing radio. The Beijing, the Super Beijing, unfortunately, is sold out. However, we will take reservations right now, and we will guarantee to get it to you before Christmas. Limited numbers, and when we get to, when the numbers get too high, we're going to cut it off. If you want a Super bajin, you call the Sea Crane Company in the morning at 6.30 a.m. and get yours, because they're going to be gone. The number is 1-800-522-8863. 1-800-522-8863. The Sea Crane Company, the only one in the world with the Super Bajan radio. At least they'll have it soon. Now, I am looking forward to the year 2000 as you are. I'm sure I can't wait to see whether we're headed for a little bump of the road or a big crash. The same events are going to happen to the wise and unwise alike. Whether your family is excited or afraid depends totally on how well you've planned for your needs. Now, talk to people about, I don't know, every day now, about how we can take the fear out of the new century by having some storable food for our families, no matter what happens. We're now past the 11th hour. It's about two minutes. It's about two minutes to midnight, millennium-wise. So make sure you call your food orders to the J. Michael Stevens Group. I am now told by December 28th, and your food will actually be delivered before the new year. Wow. The number is 1-800-377-0700. This country will have just as much food in January of 2000 as. In December, however, getting it to you is a different story. So they can do it. Call 1 800 377 0700 without fail. And, uh, and they'll get food to you. Now I'm a little bit behind trying to catch up here. Bear with me. We'll be right back. All right, back now to my guests, Dr. Jonathan Reed and Robert Wraith. And, Dr. Reed, your house was ransacked in Seattle, wasn't it?
7: Yes, it was.
0: And that is part of your story that a lot of people had some uh, doubts about. And so when we come back from the break, we're going to try to get on your old landlord, a man named Larry Arthur, in the Seattle area, who is prepared apparently to um, uh, act as your witness for what occurred. Is that correct? Yes. Finally. A- any idea why uh, your house was ransacked, Doctor? They were looking for the evidence. The, uh, the alien body, the artifacts, uh, yes. whatever. Everything. All right. Uh, Dr. Reed and uh, Robert Wraith, hold on. Everybody, we have photographs to substantiate everything we're talking about on my website right now. Photographs of the alien. Photographs of the alien artifact. Photographs of the obelisk. If you haven't heard the story, before this night is over, you will hear it. In the meantime, the photographs are on my website. Go see for yourself. It's all at www.artbell.com. That's www.artbell.com. When we come back, if we're lucky, we'll have Harold uh, make that Larry Arthur here. Stay right there. I can see your lying back. Set
1: and dress In a room where you do
2: This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell on the Premier Radio Networks.
0: I would like to remind all of you the photographs uh, documenting everything we're talking about tonight are on my website right now. These include new photographs, never before seen. An object that will be described to you that has markings similar to those found uh, in 1947 and claimed to be from the Roswell crash. Go look for yourself. It's a mind bender. My guests are Dr. Jonathan Reed, Robert Rafe, the alien in the freezer story. Last hour, we heard from Dr. Harold Chikong that the blood samples and the tissue samples and muscle that he examined were not human samples. Repeat, without question, without question, not human samples. In a moment, we'll hear from Dr. Reed's a former landlord about what happened up there and we'll verify more of his story. So all of that coming up. Stay right there. I'd like you to join me at MindSpring. It's a better place to be if your Internet provider is (laughs) less than pleasing you these days. Well, MindSpring will fill the gap, believe me, and you can make the change. Boom, just like that. You can call them up and start MindSpring tonight, right now, middle of the night if you want. Now, they've got the Spaminator. It eliminates all the rotten stuff you don't want in your email box. You'll never get it. What you will get is fast 56K connections. You'll get people who care about you when you call them and help you through any problem. You're getting a company that has just been ranked by J.D. Power & Associates number one in overall customer satisfaction. They are, and boy, have I got the deal for you. (laughs) <laughs> what a deal. You buy one month of service from MindSpring, and they give you two more months free. That's right. You buy one, you get two free. You'll stick around. They know that. Otherwise, they'd never make this offer. So call them. Jump over now. The number is one 677 7464 677 7464 in a moment, we resume the program and the Trail of Evidence. Well, all right, uh, back now to my guest. Uh, gentlemen, welcome back, Dr. Reed, uh, Robert Wraith. And we are now joined by Larry Arthur. But first, Dr. Reed, uh, when uh, exactly in the uh, chronology of events uh, in the story was your house ransacked?
7: The ninth day from from day one, when I brought the creature home, I basically uh, had been driving back to my house at, in, in the evening, and realized that there were three large step vans parked in front of my house, and people going in and out them with hand trucks, with men dressed in like moving, moving uh, attire, like like similar to a jumpsuit. Right, and I kept going. And then later came back early, early in the morning to my house being just completely torn apart. There was it was just as if a cyclone had gone through there.
0: Okay, this was uh, in the Seattle area where you yes. lived. Oh, all right. Um, okay, a lot of people found that uh, hard to believe—a kind of a men in black type story, coming to you know take away all the uh, all the evidence. But we now know that uh, some of it at least was saved, thanks to the the doctor in the last hour. We now have on the line Larry Arthur. Larry, uh, how do you know Dr. Reed?
9: Well, we uh, met about 12 years ago through a mutual acquaintance and had a common interest at the time, happened to be music, and, uh, you know, just developed a friendship and a relationship. And, uh, I've been a landlord for about 15 years. And
0: what do you have, uh, apartments, condos, what?
9: No, just, uh, uh single family. Oh, sing- single
0: homes. Yes. All right. Um, how did you, when did you hear from the doctor and how did you learn that something had happened to his house? What, how did
9: that happen? Well, he called me and asked if, uh, we could meet at the house and, uh. We made arrangements to do that. Uh, I went over there. You had been his landlord for how long?
0: Oh, about five years. Five years, all right. That so point. he called you up and probably said, God, you've got to get over here and see this. Some, something awful's happened or something like that?
9: Well, uh, he didn't provide uh, too many details over the phone, but he didn't sound like his usual self. And uh, I must admit, in the 15 years that uh, I've been a landlord, this was certainly the most bizarre thing I've ever come across.
0: All right, so over you went, and uh, what did you find?
9: Well, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It it, uh, certainly wasn't uh, vandalism, but uh, it looked to me like somebody was looking for something. Uh, I do a lot of remodeling, and uh, in fact, uh, after the fact, uh, after this happened, I' had been considering selling the house. Uh, this clinched that decision for me. Uh, it took me a couple of months working, you know in my spare time, but uh, I put quite a few hours in the house getting it ready for for sale. and uh, cleaning up.
0: Well, how would would you describe the condition of the house? I mean, were drawers torn open and emptied? Were things uh, smashed? Uh, Was it a search that had gone on, in your opinion? Or, you know, what was the condition?
9: Well, it was a mess inside. Uh, What was unusual to me was the house had uh, attic access, and it had a crawl space, yet somebody had cut an access right through the floor. They had also cut an access through the ceiling in a couple of spots. Really? Uh, Everything that had been hanging on the walls was gone, was off the walls. And on the floor or just gone? Uh, Some things, there was kind of a central pile where things had been kind of piled in one spot. Uh, There were some things missing. Uh, All of the outlet... The electrical outlet covers were off. What? Yeah, all of the telephone outlet covers were off. The face to the electrical panel was off. The toilet had been lifted off of the wax ring and was sitting alongside the toilet. It was weird. Oh, my. Yeah.
0: You, as a landlord, you probably went... Good Lord, Doctor, what have you done? Well, I was kind of (laughs)
9: dumbfounded, really.
0: No? Uh, Dr. Reed obviously was there. And how did he explain this to you? Did he say, I came home and I found this?
9: Well, I know Jonathan to be uh, probably one of the most steady and dependable people I've ever known. And he was pretty shook. And he had explained to me that... uh, Something had happened recently Mm
4: -hmm. uh,
9: on one of his weekend outings in the woods Mm -hmm. that uh, his dog Susie had been killed uh, by something in the woods. Uh, So he told you some of the whole story? Well, he was really reluctant to provide uh, uh, much detail at that time. (laughs) I understand. He had some concern uh, that, you know, he might be in some trouble and... uh, he was kind of panicked, really.
0: Okay, was he moving at that time? Did he want to get out of there, or where did it go from
9: there? I mean, Well, uh, I had been considering selling the house, and uh, this was kind of the capper, you know, for that. I, you know, at, at that point, I fixed the house up, put it on the market, and sold it.
0: And at that point then, Dr. Reed, I take it you moved, you got the hell out of there.
7: Well, first of all, there was nothing left of mine in the house except things that were torn apart, like the sofa had been just completely shredded, like somebody had been looking
9: through the inside of it. You saw
0: that, uh, Larry? Uh,
9: I saw that, and uh, uh, what was interesting, in the months that I was working on, in the time that I was working on the house after this event, there were some other small details. Uh, Number one... There wasn't much trace, you know. When you look, you look around for, you know, like boot markings, footprints, what have you. Right. Uh, what was interesting in the couple of days following, when I was out in the yard, and this was really weird. Uh, different spots of the yard had what I would describe as what looked like quarter-inch holes, and it looked to me like somebody had actually taken a rod or something and had probed parts of the yard
0: holy smokes
9: yeah really
0: uh now what were you saying to dr reed during all of this um you, you must have been saying did you do this do you know who did it how did this i don't know happen? If we
7: can say that on the
9: radio
0: okay don't then please well <laughs> i get you know, the
9: idea the first thing that that came to my mind was uh was to call the police uh, yep but, but, right and uh doctor what'd you say
7: well, I said that's his option, but I'm not going to be there.
0: In other words, you were scared.
7: Absolutely.
4: Yeah. I, I mean,
7: there sure. was nothing of mine left worth even packing up. Everything that I had was gone. I mean, I had two fire filing cabinets that are, you know, five feet tall. Right. Weigh about 800 pounds apiece. Right. That were gone. They were just gone. Things that I hadn't even unpacked for years, you know, you collect things, like boxes of books that you had in school. Right. They were gone. Everything was gone.
6: Whew. Um they, they cleaned that house out. Cleaned it out. Uh, anything else you want to add, Larry?
9: Not really. Uh, we had, uh, you know, talked about uh, calling the police and basically came to an agreement and uh, Jonathan was uh, you know, fair with me. Uh, I figured out uh, what it looked like my costs were involved, and, uh, and he covered that.
0: And he covered it. Yeah. But you are definitely witness to everything he just talked about. Absolutely. The ransacking, the cutting of the sofa, the removing of all the plates and all the rest of it. A real clean job.
9: Well, I'm a very conservative individual, and if I had not experienced something like this, I wouldn't have believed it.
7: Larry, remember the garage door?
9: Oh, yeah, yeah. What about the garage door? (laughs) Well, I had uh, a fairly heavy duty. The, The garage door had some access to the inner yard. There was a typical garage door that you would drive a car through on the outside.
0: Everybody should remember this is where the freezer was where the alien being was kept, in the garage. So go ahead.
9: Towards the inside of the yard, there was an access door, and uh, it was a steel door, uh, you know, not commercial steel, but like a Stanley metal door. Right. Uh, it had I had a very heavy-duty deadbolt on it, and it appeared that that had given them some trouble. Uh, whoever these people were, yes. getting it open. Yes. So they removed the entire door frame. The door frame was literally door frame and the door was pried out.
0: Holy smokes.
7: Literally torn out of the side of the garage.
9: What
0: kind of force would it have taken to do that?
9: Well, I'd say that it uh, definitely took more than one person to do it. And uh, basically, I would say a couple of people with some pry bars. And uh, pry bars, tools, you know, to get them... uh, uh, to pound the pry bars in past the door framing and to lever it out.
0: Doctor, why would that have been necessary? Can you uh, imagine why?
7: Well, the only thing I can think of is they wanted access in there uh, big time. And I think by that time they knew that I had something in my garage.
9: Mm-hmm. In your freezer.
7: That because, was uh, once... that was a
9: little bit more of a secluded Part of the
7: house, too. Once uh, once we went through the house, once I went through the house, of course, the freezer was totally gone from the garage.
0: So they took the whole damn freezer. Right.
7: We're talking a coffin-type freezer. Yeah, I remember that. You
0: know? Yep. One of those big, long... Uh...
7: Right. And it wouldn't have fit through the, the door into the yard unless they took that out. So I've I'm got you. I'm not
6: sure if
0: that's why they did it. I've got you. All right. Uh, for and and those if you
6: recall, too, Art, um, when Jonathan was going down his street in, in his neighborhood, his previous neighborhood, he saw these individuals busy at work, and he just got he got out of there.
0: Yes, I do recall. And for those of you that have not heard the story, and I know there are some, we're working it backwards tonight to get these witnesses on the air. So, Larry Arthur, I want to thank you uh, for being with us. You're welcome. All right. Thank uh, you, Larry. Right, yes, thank you very, very much, uh, Larry. Uh, it takes some guts, uh, you know, to, uh, to come forward in a situation like this. I'm going to try and call, if I'm able, and this may be quite a trick, uh, our last witness, who is, I'm going to do that as I'm speaking to you, and it's the only way I can do it. And then we're going to get to the whole story for those of you who may not have heard it. So let's see if we can get our last witness on the phone here. Uh, Hello. Hello there. Is this Sean? Sean
10: Alanti. Sean Alanti.
0: Sean Alanti. Alanti, uh, You are a member of MUFON, which is a mutual UFO uh, network, right?
10: That's correct. I'm also a MUFON uh, field investigator and a certified hypnotherapist who regresses people that have uh, abduction experiences or contact experiences.
0: All right. Uh, Can you explain your contact um, uh, with uh, uh, Dr. Reed and uh, how it progressed and what you know of this whole story?
10: Okay, I can start at the beginning if you'd like.
0: I would. uh, MUFON is certainly a very well-respected organization, so... You'll be adding quite a bit here. Go right ahead.
10: Okay. Well, it started on October 19th, actually, when uh, Rob, who is the director of San Diego UFO Society, came over to my house and mentioned that he knew somebody or or knew of this story, that somebody had some alien photos and alien video, you know, photos of an alien and, and a craft, okay? Right. So a couple days later, I meet the lady who knows Robert Wraith, okay? They used to be neighbors. He moved to San Diego. He moved to Washington. Her name is Chris. As the process goes on, she goes up to Washington State about November 1st.
0: Sean, you're in San Diego, right? I'm in
10: San Diego. All right. About November 1st, meets Jonathan, sees the video, okay, of the alien and the craft and other photos, comes back and is very impressed, okay, very convinced then. About that time, they did not know what direction to go either in the beginning, okay? Mm -hmm. There There was... I don't want to call it confusing, but, you know, indecision. Um, then they decided to go on your show, and this is when you got the material, okay, in the mail, and you That's got right. the facts. That's okay. Right. And I think it was November 11th is when they went on.
0: Sounds about
4: right. Okay.
10: So uh, then they were on, I think it was a week later, about a week later. Okay. So in the process, uh, Chris becomes more involved. They, she, after those two shows, she wanted to go and contact people in, the, the movie industry, and I actually was in the house once, Rob's house, when Dick Clark Productions called, okay? I right. was interested in in contacting somebody, okay? Right. Because San Diego UFO Society became the contact point, you know, that it was on at the end of the yes. show, you yes. would give that contact. that's correct. <clears throat> so, consequently, uh, Chris received also a, a copy of the video of the alien, okay, which I got to see November 25th. The
0: public, uh, thanks, the, the thanksg-
10: or Thanksgiving. November excuse me. 25th. The
0: public has not seen this video yet. No. They've seen the still photographs I've got on the website right now, but not the video. I've seen the video. No. You've seen the video. No. And,
10: to- and about a hundred and ten people saw it in San Diego, March fourteenth, and it is very impressive and very impactful. And I think to uh, really judge this whole story. Uh, someone really needs to see that, okay, and meet Jonathan to really see Well, can you, give, can, can
0: you give people your impression of that video? In other words, what did you see? What did you hear?
10: Okay. Well, in, in the forest, you know, as he described, there's interference, okay? There's definite interference going on. It's jumping around, in, in a sense. Uh, one very impressive thing, though, is that you do see the alien. Laying on the space blanket, and it's a bluish gray color, at least from a distance. I, I guess it could be bluish pink close up. Okay. All right. Now, so we have, so we have two different colors of the alien here, and it changed, you know, obviously when it was in the freezer to a brownish color. Uh, then you also see the ob the obelisk from a distance, and it's jumping around also. Okay. So there's a lot of interference, and you, and you do hear Jonathan uh, breathing heavy, hyperventilating, and you do also hear him get sick.
0: Okay? That's right.
10: And when you switch to the garage, then I f- saw the examination. So you see the alien laying on the on the floor, and he, you know he you, know, you see him open the mouth and he moves the, the neck.
4: That's right. And,
10: and, and a lot of it's there now on the website. But there's one thing you can't really see really clearly in the photos that I thought was impressive. What was that? And that is, it, it, through the skin, you can see, the sections of the skull or the plates of the skull. And, uh, and our, our skull was made up of sections too.
0: All right, you all right. Hold it right there for a second. We've got a break. We'll be right back. We're at the bottom of the hour. I'm Art Bell. This is Coast to Coast
4: AM. <laughs>
2: calls from west of the Rockies at 1-800-618-8255, east of the Rockies, 1-800-825-5033. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell. Now, here again is Art. Once again, here I am, my guests at the moment, Dr. Jonathan Reed, Robert
0: Wraith, and Sean Alante, who is a move-on member in San Diego, who was the liaison for... The Alien in the Freezer story And uh, we're going to get to that story So those of you who have not heard it Hang in there We're trying to get the evidence presented first Well, what's going to happen in the year 2000? We don't know We have no idea Well, wait a minute I've got to do this first So Do it One day I'm going to kill that sound for all of you. (laughs) Anyway, here comes the millennium. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Do you have food? You ought to have. Everybody is saying you ought to have some food stored away. And I've got a company that can still get you food. Yes, it's it's, it's metaphorically and nearly literally two minutes till midnight. Nearly literally. What is it, 22 days or something? It's really, the countdown is on. The bottom line here is, if you want storable food, the jig is not quite up. If you make sure that you call your food orders to the J. Michael Stevens Group, get this, by December 28th, your food will be delivered before the new year. They can do it. And if you've been waiting and now you're sorry, well, here's your opportunity. Call them. 1-800-377-0700. One eight hundred three seven seven zero seven zero zero. That's one eight hundred three seven seven zero seven zero zero. The days are the days, and the opportunity uh, to do so is obviously growing very short. But they have hung in there with you eighteen years in business in Salt Lake City. The J. Michael Stevens Group—they've got the food. If you want it, one eight hundred three seven seven zero seven zero zero. All right, once again, back to our guest, Dr. Jonathan Reed, Robert Wraith, and with us now, Sean Alante. Sean, pronounce your last name for me again, please. Atlanti. I'm sorry, A-T-L-A-N-T-I, right? Yeah. And you've been in MUFON for how long?
10: Oh, about uh,
0: 11 years. 11 years in MUFON. All right. Uh, So you've been interfaced with all of this evidence, a lot of which the public has not seen specifically the videotape. That's correct. And your assessment of it?
10: Well, it's very impressive. Yeah, it's very impressive. I think it's real, and I think his whole story is real. And uh, like I said, after I finally met Jonathan, March 14th, and March 13th, actually, uh, I I really decided fully that that I believed his story, totally. Mm
0: -hmm. And uh, have you brought it to other MUFON members?
10: Well, there were some MUFON members in the audience, the, the local section director, was there, and the, I think the other section director was there also. And there were a number of MUFON members in the audience. Um, I, I did talk. I did call Walt Andrus today, though. Oh, oh, Walt Andrus, really? Yes. And told him I was going to be on the program. Kind
0: and, of the founding father of MUFON.
10: Right. And he said that he did not endorse the story at this point in time. Okay. Has, so, he,
0: has he seen the evidence?
10: No, he hasn't. And, and that's the problem. A lot of people. Haven't seen the, the, the evidence, the video, I know. And, and everything, and and now you're having a lot of this analyzed, the photos and everything, and and like I said, I saw the photos of the obelisk also. I saw it, uh, side angles and close-ups to that it's not a prop or anything. No. You no. Know, or or there's not a string hanging down, and no. all the rest of those. Things. No. It's none clearly of that.
6: a three-dimensional object. Clearly,
0: and the uh, the negatives are valid now. I suppose people will say, well, maybe, okay, fine, you've got the negatives, so they are real pictures, but maybe it was a, a prop, sort of like a movie prop or something.
10: You know, but I do know that Chris went up and talked to Fox Network and Dick Clark Productions and Bob Kiviet, and Jonathan had an offer, and he turned it down, an offer of quite a bit of money. You
0: did that, Jonathan? Yes, I
7: did. Why? Well, the uh, the... The proposition that was presented to us was to basically let this tape be put into another program similar to the one that Bob Kiviat had produced. And I did not want the, the sanctity and the quality of this to be cut up.
0: Compromised.
7: And if that was going to be the case, then I wouldn't sell it. I would produce it myself and let the public see it.
0: For, and decide for themselves in, in in its true form.
6: There was right. an offer right. from a gentleman in Japan. Uh, who is who, this? Uh, this is this is uh, Robert Rafe.
0: Okay, Robert,
6: and offering one point five million dollars for the video, the private collector, and Jonathan flat, flatly refused because this is information art that belongs to the world. And as a matter of fact, we are going to. We were invited to speak at the um, the International UFO Congress in Laughlin, Nevada, in March. Yes. And we will be showing the videos there. No kidding. But we are not going to sell the videos. People say, "Well, this could be about money." Well, if it's about money, my friend, there were a lot of offers for this video for an awful lot of money. And I haven't made a dime for but three years. Absolutely nothing. And uh, Jonathan refused to whore this out to anyone for any reason. He wants the people to experience this truly and fully and to understand the dynamic, important level of this information. I agree. This is incredibly important information. Art, we are not alone in the universe. We are not alone. And Jonathan's information and what he's been through... Is absolutely proof of that. You have individuals like uh, Richard C. Hoagland, who is a great and wonderful individual. You have uh, Whitley Strieber. With all these other people, we know we are not alone, that there are aliens, there are creatures. The, the tests that Mr. Chacon did independently proved conclusively that there is another creature. Unlike anything science has ever witnessed, ever viewed, ever seen, ever cataloged.
0: I admit it's strong evidence. Uh, Sean, oh, um, anything else that you would like to add? Um, well, well I could add November?
10: a couple more things. Sure. So, um, I, I, I do know that Jonathan goes through his periods of, of paranoia, you know. I also, know. Or what we'd call paranoia. Well, and, and so even, yes, but when uh, he...
0: some paranoia is justified, and right. with what he's been through.
10: And, and he, he, he mentioned, you know, when he, when he got to the lecture hall, and he says, well, I hope I don't get shot. And I says, you're not going to get shot in front of, you know, all these witnesses, or, you know. Mm-hmm. So I assured him. And, you know, just, just so people out there think this isn't a big act, you know, when he was on the lecture stand, you know, he, he, he was nervous and stressed. And you could see that, you know, although everything came off fine. And, you know, afterwards, you know, he says, man, is my stomach going, you know, wow. <laughs> you know, like, those are all like, but those are emotional reactions that are important, though, okay, to me as, as, a, as a researcher. I understand. And, okay. and, and and
0: these reactions were pretty much shared by the other MUFON members that saw it?
10: Well, they were pretty, yeah, they were pretty impressed, okay, I mean, relatively, but I, I, I haven't been in touch. I, I'm in touch with one of them. I didn't get a chance to talk to him today, but... Um, they're a little more into the hard evidence and the analyzation, and that's, that's been a little of the problem, is that I think a lot of uh, of these types of people wanted to see the video analyzed, the photos analyzed, and the results, okay? Of
0: course, we're getting down to that now.
10: And we're getting down to that now, but I know Jonathan is very much into people he can trust, and I know he, he likes and he can trust you, and that's probably the direction he wants to go, and he doesn't want to go to a direction with people that he can't trust, and he will wait until he finds someone he can trust. I know that much about him.
0: So do I. Okay. Sean, I want to thank you for coming on, and uh, you were the contact for a long time, and remain the contact, I guess, in San Diego uh, uh, move on contact.
10: Yeah, along with uh, Rob, who's the director of San Diego Youth Society also.
0: Okay, Sean, Both. thank you so
10: much. Thank you very much for having me on. And, and good night. You, Sean.
0: All right, now,
10: I want to move on And I want to
0: read uh, about Dr. Jonathan Reed. Doctor, I want to read a little bit about your background, if that's all right with you.
4: Fine.
0: All right, hold on here. Let me, I'm doing a lot of uh, pretty interesting uh, work here. So let me try this and then this. And, uh uh-oh. You see, that's how it works. I just lost one of them. Figures, huh? Let me see if I can get uh, John, Dr. Reed back because I want him to hear this as I'm uh, reading it. So we're sure that we have it right. So if you're sure that you have it right. I we'll hope to get him back. Okay. Let's see. I think that I've done it. Sorry, this is uh, technical glitch stuff. Uh, Dr. Reed, are you there? Yes. Okay, sorry, we got disconnected. Uh, and let us now be sure Robert is still there. Robert? Yes, I'm, I'm
1: okay,
6: still good. here.
0: All right. I want to read something. I want you to both listen to it. And, uh, Dr. Reed, I want you to confirm it for me, all right?
11: Yes.
0: All right, here we go. The bio of Dr. Jonathan Reed. A lot of people have been wanting this. Uh, 1974... Through 1976, with a grade point average of 3.0, Dr. Reed uh, was at San Diego State University, San Diego, California, got a BA there, a teacher uh, education certificate program. He had a single major in teaching in the areas of science and physical education at the high school level, grades 10, 11, and 12. Um, And I should backtrack. He was born... In 1956 in Orange County, California, Uh, in 1976 through 1980, uh, he was at the University of California at Los Angeles, UCLA, Ph.D. program in psychology, special education, study in neurotransmitters in human disorders of motor and cognitive function controlled through clinical modern drug therapies, sensory neural a clinical study at Fernald Child Center. That was, in fact, his doctoral dissertation, again with a grade point average of 3.8. In 1979, he was at John Hopkins University, Baltimore, Maryland, Children's Center under Dr. Frank Oski, that's O-S-K-I-M-D, working with National Research Award Program, National Institutes of Health, and the study grant program. His employment study, uh, slash study, 1983 through 1996, was as follows. The University of Washington, Seattle, University, uh, U of W Medical Center, Psychology Department, Clinical Research at uh, Neuroimaging Cognitive Factor in Learning Disorders, Adolescent and Child Development Studies, Private Applied Grant Study Program, research in uh, special education, development psychology, and child development. His degree is a Ph.D. in psychology, education, developmental, behavioral psychology. His interests include hiking, sailing, travel, music, sports cars, cooking, photography, community politics, and life. He was also was a member of the National Mental Health Association and the National Psychological Association association. Uh, Dr. Reed, does that adequately, uh, properly describe your background?
7: Yes, the um, the 1979 program at John Hopkins was a summer program only.
0: All right, very good. But but yes, it's accurate. Essentially, otherwise, that is accurate. Yes. All right, people have been clamoring for that information. Um, so, what I think that we need to do now is to back up uh, because obviously, some in the audience have not heard this story. Others in the audience would uh, no doubt like to hear it from your lips again, Doctor. So, okay. if, if we can do it, let's let's do an abbreviated uh, a form of the uh, of what happened to you. Well, we'll do a
7: quickie. All right. Uh, October fifteenth, nineteen ninety six.
0: I went for a
7: day hike in the Cascade Mountain Range in Washington State, <clears throat> about sixty miles east of Seattle. Uh, and about 15 miles northeast of Snoqualmie Pass. Um, That's in the uh, Wilderness Lakes area, to be more specific. But uh, it was a beautiful October day. I took my dog, Susie, which was a golden retriever, seven-year-old golden retriever, and we went out for a a hike, for a run. And we had done this uh, many times before. But uh, this was especially a beautiful day. It was still warm. Uh, some of the trees and the leaves were starting to change in color, and it was a beautiful day. I had a small day pack with me with uh, you know a little bit of food, a little dog food, uh, some safety uh, uh, supplies, but uh, a camera, uh, my camcorder, because occasionally we'd see some wildlife, and uh, we'd seen some deer earlier. Uh, And we just started walking, and I was probably uh, approximately an hour and a half to two hours away from where I had parked my car. We had walked uh, a great distance, probably five to seven miles, and uh, all of a sudden my dog took off running, took off like a bolt of lightning. And occasionally dogs will do that. They will run, and they'll chase raccoons or squirrels, and uh, you you don't think much of that. That's right. But uh, this was a little different. She took off and she was barking, really, really barking. There was an anger to the tone. And she went up a hill in front of me and I lost sight of her uh, and I could still hear the barking going on. And the barking changed from just chasing something to almost being involved or being mauled by something. And at that point I thought it's either a cat or or a bear. And so I dropped my backpack, I grabbed a branch that was alongside of the trail, and I ran to the top of the ridge where I saw my dog involved with a fight with a a creature. And what I saw was a vibrating, uh, undulating surface that looked about the size of a small child, but yet it wasn't a child. And it was vibrating so fast that I could not see a definite outline of this being. I could just barely make out the shape as if it was a vibrating shadow.
4: Mm
7: -hmm. Uh, My dog had a hold of its arm, its left arm, and was tearing at its left arm. And as I witnessed this, all of a sudden I saw this thing like start to tear the head off of my dog, literally tearing her head, her her jaws apart, ripping her skull right in half, and at that moment, that thing turned around and looked at me, stopped vibrating for a moment, and then turned back and continued to do this, and I lunged forward, took that club or branch and swung as hard as I could and knocked that thing about four or five feet back. Now, that's essentially happened within 10 to 20 seconds which some say gee that's that's not very very long well it's an eternity when you're watching it you bet when your dog is literally dissolving and there is blood everywhere and then literally imploding into herself i mean she was like disappearing into nothing
0: imploding into herself
7: as if a hole opened up beneath her neck and her skin, her fur, started to move in a circular motion as if it was going
0: into a drain. uh, uh, Kind of like, I I, I can picture that in my mind, sort of going, as you point out, imploding into oneself and going into a drain. It was just an unbelievable sight.
7: I just couldn't, my
0: mind would not wrap around
7: what I was looking at.
6: Perhaps if this. Uh, a small black hole, the small event horizon opened up in the middle of your body and you began to be sucked into yourself or into this hole. Gotcha.
7: And at the same time, you know, before I ran forward and clubbed this, I yelled at my dog thinking my dog was, you know, to let go. I screamed, you know, Susie, let go. And at the same moment, realizing that it wasn't her, it was it that was not letting go, and then witnessing this devastation. And all that happened then was emotion, was truly adrenaline. Uh, There was no thought. I just was trying to save my dog.
0: And so what did you do?
7: I, I jumped forward, took about two steps and hit this thing and knocked it back about four and a half, five feet. And it fell dead to the ground, but letting out a just a terrible sound. Just a terrible like a like a wail or a scream. And I think I screamed too. But I screamed because I I was trying to stop this thing.
0: Oh I I can understand. Um it's... That's
7: essentially the meeting of this creature. That is the event starting. What took place after that was merely trying to recover from that moment became very difficult. I was extremely sick. Just just in a second, I was violently throwing up.
0: Well, you bashed the creature with a... Was a stick, right?
7: With a club about a club. the size of a baseball bat.
0: Okay, and, but it was a stick, actually, something you found in the woods, right?
7: Right, exactly. And,
0: and you caved in, apparently caved in its skull, and you thought the creature was dead.
7: Yes. Okay. It, it, uh, it actually split his, the back quarter of his skull open about one inch by one and a half inch, breaking the bone and exposing the intracranial material.
0: And it was lying there on the on the ground, the raw ground at that point. Yeah. And at that point, well, a- actually at this point, we've got a break, so uh, hold it right there, Dr. We'll pick up this story. And remember, that I've got photographic evidence on the website of all of this right now for you to take a look at so you can judge for yourself, including new photographs that we're going to be talking about here in a few moments. And I've got negatives of the photographs as well that have been analyzed. By Eastman Kodak in New York, and that I've had looked at as well. And I'm, I'm thinking of maybe even. I wonder if you can scan a negative. I'm going to give it a shot here and see if I can do that. So, my guests are Dr. Jonathan Reed and Robert Wraith. The story will continue in a moment from the High Desert. I'm Art Bell, and this is Coast to Coast AM. Don't touch that dial.
2: may reach Art Bell in the Kingdom of Nye at one 727 1222 This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell.
0: It is indeed. Good morning, everybody. I've been busy. Boy, have I been busy during the break doing something perhaps I should not have been doing. I don't know. We're going to ask permission for something. Um, as part of the proof for what... Uh, the story you're being told right now, and we're right in the middle of it. Uh, I was sent negatives. Uh, I have not only the prints, but I have negatives. Uh, negatives of the original pictures uh, sent um, of the alien and of the obelisk. And you can see uh, the photographs themselves on my website. I also uh, so I've got the negatives. They've been tested by Eastman Kodak uh, in New York, uh, I am told by uh, Robert wraith Robert is that correct
6: that is correct
0: mm-hmm. and what did Eastman say to you
6: they are real um, they are there's a the real three-dimensional object you're looking at there's been no digital tampering of any kind
0: okay tell you what I've done and I want to get your permission before we do it I took the two negatives and put them side by side I've got a good hewlett-packard scanner and I in, I scanned them the negatives and I increased them by 400% uh, so they'd be bigger, but I did not tamper with color or resolution or anything. I just simply scanned negatives. I didn't even know you could do it, but I did it. And I fired them off to Keith, and I told Keith, I'm going to ask when I get back on the air if we can put that up on the website, the negatives. Do it. Do it? Do it. Done. Done. All right. All right, gentlemen, hold on. Keith, uh, you heard the permission given, so uh, go ahead. As soon as you have received it, Keith, go ahead and post the negatives. I don't, I don't know if that's even ever been done before, a scan of a negative, but I would like to prove to the audience that they are the legitimate negatives of the photographs that you can see, the full photographs that are scanned uh, uh, perfectly, I think. Uh, he says humbly, I've been scanning for quite a while now. But we're going to get the negatives up there. So, there you got it. You have it, rather. And uh, if you want to go to my website here in a few moments, those negatives will be available for you to see. So, in a moment, we're going to resume the story. Well, it's Christmas time, isn't it? And so, I would like you to consider buying the person you love. Even if that's yourself. The best gift you could give anybody who loves radio, and that is the C.C. radio. Tested by gobs of people, uh, you know, uh, magazines. MSNBC tested the radio. Popular Science tested the radio. Uh, The International uh, Radio Club of America tested the radio. All of them rave about this radio, and that's because it's the best portable radio you can buy in America today. The most sensitive, selective, incredible, knock-your-socks-off radio there is. If you want to give the best, this is what you're given this Christmas. AM, FM, television audio, NOAA weather, and NOAA weather alert, it's all there. It's a uh, portable. Operates on batteries, or you can plug it into the wall. Comes equipped to do all of that. I could go on and on and on. This is simply the best radio in the world right now. The best you can give for Christmas if you love radio. This will exceed, I repeat, exceed your expectations. By the way, you can get it now in silver or graphite gray, and the price is one fifty-nine ninety-five a lot for a radio but not for somebody you love, right? 159.95 limited quantities. Boy, are they limited. Also the platinum edition which comes with a solar panel, rechargeable batteries and uh, an LED light that's uh, easily twice as bright as a standard beijing light, maybe three times as bright. I mean, it's really bright. And that's more expensive obviously if you're interested in the platinum version, they're really in limited numbers. Great Christmas present from the Sea Crane Company. Call them at 1-800-522-8863. Now remember, the warranty doesn't begin until it's unwrapped on Christmas Day. They sort of just trust you on that. 1-800-522-8863. The incredible Sea Crane Company for Christmas. You don't have to go to the mall. All right, once again, everybody, the photographs and now the negatives as well, for whatever that's worth, I don't think we've ever done that before, are on my website or about to be at www.artbell.com. And by the way, my guests also have a website up. And uh, before we resume the story, I want to get that address out. Uh, what uh, What is that, Robert? Uh, what is the website you have?
6: www.artbell.com. Odysseylink.net.
0: www.odysseylink.net.
6: Absolutely, it's a O D Y S S E Y L I N K dot net, and and through there you can also um, uh, order our book.
0: Yeah, you've got a book out finally. We do,
6: and if if that's if it's all right with you, I'd like to give the way one eight hundred number for that. Yeah, go ahead. Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, the number is one 800 That's one 800 And operators are standing by to take your orders right now. Really? The price... What is the name of the book? The, the name of the book is Link, an Extraterrestrial Odyssey, written, of course, by Dr. Jonathan Reed and myself.
0: All 800 8367.
3: 8367. Now people are going to say, aha,
0: uh-huh. now they're going to make money. They, they wrote a book and they're going to make money.
7: It's about time.
0: <laughs> All right. Now look, I want to continue with the story. Uh, you whacked the alien. Here it is on the ground, bleeding alien blood, skull crushed in. Your dog has collapsed in on itself and is gone. You're in shock. You're sitting there, and time passes.
7: I could barely stand. I would stand. I would fall down. I would get sick. I was dizzy. I was nauseated. It was as if my body had gone into some kind of convulsion. I have never been so sick. And this lasted for hours. I, I would get up. I would move away. I would try to lay there and breathe slowly to try to regain some kind of normality mm-hmm. of the moment. But uh, it was just almost impossible.
0: When did you notice this obelisk?
7: It was about an hour. I think an hour had gone by. This all took place at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Right. And uh, about an hour had gone by, in my calculation, of just kind of crawling around, crawling away from this creature. And all of a sudden, I started to realize that it seemed like all the sound was gone in the woods, like there was no birds or no air sound, just dead quiet. Right. And, and I, I thought how strange that was, because normally you hear sounds. And, and I could hear something that almost wasn't there. It was almost like a harmonic sound. And at first I thought, well, maybe it's a, it's a camper or another hiker. And I got really excited, you know, and stood up and kind of looked around and almost fell over again. But then I realized it wasn't that kind of sound. it almost it almost made you feel like you had goosebumps. It was just this this hum, this harmonic hum. Mm-hmm. And so I started walking down the trail two or three steps and then would fall down, and then I'd get up and I'd crawl for a while. And then I'd get sick, and then I'd listen, and there was nothing. I couldn't find it, and I thought, I'm imagining this. That it's, I'm just losing my mind here. And I'd turn around, and I, again, I would get this sound. It almost like it was a directional vector that I could hear coming from one place. And as I moved in one direction, through the brush, I saw this dark-shaped object that I have called the obelisk.
0: I inappropriately called it a ship. Obviously, um, to scale, it's not large enough, uh, it would seem to be a ship. Uh, And you corrected me in an earlier broadcast and said, no, not a ship, I don't know what it was. I called it the obelisk, you said. Right, a craft. A craft, whatever, in midair, hanging in midair.
7: Right, when I first saw it, I could not see it. Uh, I could not see underneath it. I was kind of up above. It was down in a little bit of a valley, and there was a lot of brush between me and it, probably 75 feet. So I kind of walked around that brushy area, down more toward the front of it, where I could actually see this three-dimensional, six-sided shape, like like a marquee diamond laying on its side. And... It was approximately two and a half feet wide from top to bottom, about three and a half to four feet across from side to side, Mm. and about nine or nine and a half feet long in length.
0: We've got an excellent photograph of it on the website. All right, so you here it is in midair. Did you approach the object? Well, like I said, I walked around
7: it. I, I kind of got toward it and it was giving off this strange humming sound. And as I kind of walked down toward it, I kind of leaned partway against it, and I kind of lost my footing. And as I touched it, I found that it was extremely cold. It was cold like dry ice, and it was solid like granite, like polished granite or marble. It had a definite shiny kind of surface that almost seemed to absorb the light, but it was a heavy tree canopy in this area. And, uh, and like I said, it was extremely cold. I backed off really quick, but I noticed that when I touched it, the tone changed, the sound changed. Hmm. The harmonic became much more pleasant. Hmm. It wasn't so erratic and disturbing.
0: So you have no idea the function of this object?
7: Not completely. No, definitely not at that time.
0: All right. You had the presence of mind. You had a 35-millimeter um, camera with you, and you had a video, uh, a camcorder with you, right? Yes. So you took some 35-millimeter photographs of the alien's body. Yes. Um, you Actually, took... I
7: took the video first.
0: Video first. All yes. right. That's important. The video first. Very dramatic video. Eventually, the public will get to see this.
9: Yes.
0: I've seen it and I've taken sound from it. Um, I won't repeat that right now, but we have the sound clips on our website of you uh, running through the woods, of you uh, uh, tossing your cookies at one point, and quite realistic, actually. At any rate, uh, you also had a 35 millimeter uh, camera. Yes. And I don't know when and where you had the presence of mind to get that out, because that gave us the sharp photographs we've got.
7: Well, I think what happened was it was a process of just where I was in the moment. And I realized that I, I had the camera with me. And after being there for quite a while, I thought, my God, I can take a picture of this and find out if I am losing my mind. Sure. You know, at least I can bring back something.
0: So and how, how uh, many pictures did you take of the obelisk and the alien?
7: At the site, at the actual site, right. I took four rolls of 36
0: exposures. Wow. How much of it came out?
7: How much of it came out? Yep.
0: I'm Actually there. viewable. Yes.
7: Probably, uh, probably nine-tenths of it.
0: So you've got a lot of photographs I don't even have yet.
7: No, no. Nine-tenths of it came out. I don't still have them. A lot of that photographic evidence was stolen. Was stolen.
0: From your house?
7: From my house, from when I gave it to some people to do
0: some research,
7: who I was told was some MUFON people, but they turned out not to be.
0: And they stole it?
7: Well, I've never seen it again.
0: All right. The evidence that I now possess in my hands, the the photographs, the negatives, all of that, how was that retrieved?
7: Well, as I said earlier, we split everything I had up. Uh, into different lots.
0: Wise move.
7: So that I could. Well, at the time we were being followed in cars. We were being. Uh, we knew that somebody's house had been gone through, and uh, it was it was getting down to the uh, the five minute to twelve moment where uh, you know if we didn't do something we were going to lose everything. Okay. And I just divided it up, Gary. He said he would take some, I would take some, I took some to some other people, and basically stored it away. Well, this was before they went through my house. And so, they also they also took what was in my house.
4: So
0: that which was stored away is that which I have now? Yes. All right. All right, so here you are back in the woods now, Doctor. You've taken your photographs, you've taken the video. You're about to leave, and you're thinking just to leave... But then at the last moment, for some reason, you decide to take the alien body with you.
7: What I thought was, maybe I can hide this somewhere. Sure. Maybe I can hide it and semi-preserve it and bring somebody back here. And I wasn't thinking that this was a great find. I wasn't, you know, being, you know, really rational at all.
0: Were you thinking you might be charged with a crime?
7: Uh, that went through my mind during the hours of, of being sick at the site. Mm-hmm. I thought, uh, you know, that I had maybe killed something that was maybe somebody's pet, maybe somebody's experiment. My mind went in all directions searching for some kind of logic, which I could find none.
6: You you can imagine, Art, what happens to a person's mind when some event like this occurs. Of course. Um, First you see your dog uh, brutally killed, and, it, you know, if that's not enough, my God, what, what is that thing? And you're dealing with all these incredible things all at once, and it places you into a certain state of mind.
0: Yeah, it's called shock.
6: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, and until uh, you put yourself in my position...
7: You can't completely or fully imagine what was happening at that moment in my mind because it was I was tearing at the logic side of me saying, this is impossible that this is happening, but yet I was confronted with the reality of what I had in front
0: of me. All right. Do you remember the rationale at the time you decided to take the alien body with you? In other words, why did you decide to take it with you?
7: Well, like I mentioned, I was thinking... I've got to get out of here. I have to get out of here. It's late in the day. I've got I'm very sick. I gotta to try to get out of here. I don't even know if I can get back to my car.
0: By now what time is it?
7: Well about three three and a half hours had gone by, as
0: far as my recollection. My watch had stopped at about two fifty. Two fifty. All right. So anyway, it's late. It's dark or getting dark? It's getting darker. Getting darker. All right. And so...
7: my my whole Thought mindset at that point was, I've got to get out of here. I started to put things back, my camera back in the pack, and I thought, I've got a thermal blanket. A thermal blanket is something that you take with you just in case you have to cover yourself up for a night and survive. That's right. It's a mylar material. I had that. I thought, okay. I'll take this body, I'll throw the mylar blanket over it and maybe pile rocks on the blanket around it so no animal will come and eat this thing Mm -hmm. because, you know, the woods are full of animals. And so that's what I started to do. And I laid the blanket out and I attempted to roll this thing into the blanket, trying not to touch it at all.
0: Kind of like a burrito. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Okay. And
7: I rolled it up inside the thermal blanket, just like you'd roll up a sleeping bag. Mm -hmm. And I had two straps from my pack. I tied it around kind of midpoint, and I figured I'd drag it over to the hillside, which was, you know, probably 60 feet from where I was standing, and pile rocks on top of it and or you know some branches to sort of a temporary
0: of, burial place it,
7: well to to keep it from the animals yep, is what yep, i was thinking yep yep okay when i picked it up i found that it was extremely light i mean so light that i could barely believe i was picking it up in actuality we found out that this whole thing weighed just under 60 pounds. It was like 54 pounds.
0: Not that heavy, and you had a lot of adrenaline going
7: Oh, I was moving on adrenaline like you couldn't believe.
0: Mm-hmm. So, you so I grabbed
7: it. it. I went over to the hillside. I tried to dig out some rocks. I didn't have a shovel. I had nothing as far as tools other than a, a camping knife. And these rocks were not giving themselves up. Because this is a mountainous area. This is not just a, a park or, you know, in the lower lands. Gotcha. It's up in the hillsides, right, right at the, the snow line. And at that point, I couldn't do anything with it. And I thought, okay, well, I'll drag it back down the path, you know, or carry it halfway down the path until I can find a place to put it. So I started walking. Well, all of a sudden, I ended up at my car.
0: So you are back at your car. All right, Doctor, hold it right there. We're at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Dr. Jonathan Reed and Robert Wraith are my guests. I'm Art Bell. We'll be back. Every
1: time we meet Showing off their silver leaves As we walked Five by Kisses on a summer's day Laughing all our kids away
2: Call Art Bell in the Kingdom of Nye on the wildcard line at one 727 1295 That's one 727 1295 This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell on the Premier Radio Network.
0: We've got all the photographs up there now. The link artifact that we're going to tell you about in a moment that photograph actually photographs three of them are on my website right now. We also have The two negatives that I was talking about, I had no idea you could scan negatives, but I did it instantly in the last hour, and Keith has got them up. They're all on my website now at www.artbell.com. You'll also find a link to the uh, aforementioned website of Dr. Reeds and Robert Wraiths. So, you can go examine all of that right now. We've got it up there for you. You decide for yourself. I've got a fax, and I've got a million faxes, actually, but I've got one that I want to read in a moment. (laughs) All right, here is a uh, fax from somebody I know, a physician who's a friend of mine. Art, this poor Dr. Reed. Here is a probably decent guy. Who had a real experience that he chose to go public with? You can bet on one thing his life will never, ever be the same. How about those lab results? How about those photos? I don't think those symbols are Masonic. Human beings tore up his residence, but the little guy in the freezer was not a human, nor was it a member of the Trilateral Commission. <laughs> All right, so, uh, Doctor, in, we're short on time, and I want to get a lot out in this segment. So, uh, you wrapped up the alien burrito-style in this thing, right. and you started, uh, and you got back to your car. I
7: threw it in the back end of my Jeep,
0: and I headed for home. These new photos that we have of the Link artifact... Yes. Where did you get this artifact?
7: Well, at the time that I was at the site, and when I went to roll up the creature and hide it, I realized that about three feet away from its body, kind of buried a little bit under some ferns, was this shiny-looking object that was, at the time, had some dirt across it. And I just reached down and picked it up. I thought it was something uh, maybe that a camper had left or a, a, almost like a pop can, in silver in color, Right, about the same size. And as soon as I got within, you know, uh, my hand within about two or three inches of it, I realized it wasn't a pop can. And I picked it up, you know, uh, probably a, a real stupid thing to do not knowing what it was.
0: Potentially dangerous.
7: But I was not thinking clearly, and I picked it up, and I looked at it, and I thought, okay. So I just threw it right inside the uh, thermal blanket, wrapped it up, and took it home. Now, one of the reasons that we previously didn't mention this was because I don't have that object. I do not any longer own or possess that. that what, ha- is,
0: what happened? Is that one of the things that was stolen from your house?
7: No, it's not. It's one of the things that I took after all this happened, when this event was taking place and after I left my house in in shambles. I had sent this away. This was something that I had literally mailed away to myself somewhere else, and I needed to get it looked at and get it verified. Of course. Which I have done. Um, what do you want me to begin?
0: Well, I, I guess I would like to know what results. Uh, well, the uh,
7: results I, I had it analyzed at a university in Osaka, Japan. Yes. And some of the people that helped me do this are the people that I call the Alliance people that helped store me away and keep me safe for a long time.
0: All um, right, so it went to Japan, they analyzed it? went to Japan
7: it? with me.
0: With you? Yes, with me. Oh, now that's new. I had not heard that. All right, so you went to Japan with the object. And I showed it to some
7: very secure people in Japan. Je- the Japanese culture embraces the phenomena, the U.S. ology phenomena,
0: I understand. in a yes.
7: totally different way than
0: the people in the United States. I understand. Uh, So what did they conclude?
7: They looked at it, they dissected it in analysis, and they found that it was made out of very unusual materials. It weighs 107.3 grams, that's 3.75 ounces. Very light.
0: the, The photographs never before seen on my website tonight are extremely clear. Those were taken in Japan. In Japan?
6: Yes, while it was being analyzed.
0: All right. Uh, I held
6: this thing myself at one time, Art. You did? Yes, and it's amazing.
0: All right, it's, a, it's, a, um, it's impossible to describe. You've got to see it. It's got hieroglyphics, what appear to be hieroglyphics on it. Uh, has anybody analyzed uh, what that could possibly mean? It looks very much like um, some objects purported to be from the Roswell crash.
7: Well, it's it's never been cataloged, any of those symbols, and uh, it has been looked at through many eyes, trying to understand if they have any earthly meanings. Nobody, as of yet, has come up with anything other than, and this is kind of fascinating, there happens to be one of the symbols, which is the very small one, and I'm not sure if the picture you have shows that. There are actually four symbols.
4: Yes, so one, I have them. I have one
7: small one that sits alone by itself is a very similar shape to the obelisk craft. That symbol uh-huh. has been found in Mexico, in Egypt, and in China. That symbol is very similar to the raw symbol in the Egyptian hieroglyphs, which translates into many meanings. It means the letter R. It also means the the meaning of an exit or an entrance uh-huh. or, a door. or a communication from right. one point to another. Or a door. Or a door.
6: And we don't know if these symbols are are words.
7: Well we do know one thing. That when that symbol, which is a literally a button, this thing is a controller of sorts.
0: Of some kind, yes.
7: When that symbol is pressed in the right Sequence that piece of material, that structure that looks silver and is hard like metal, I mean like iron. Yes. It closes. It becomes very, very pliable. It closes with a memory, as if it's going to close onto a surface of like your arm. And then you push that again and it opens back up with the same memory. So that
0: you could remove it so then uh, a speculation would be this was something the alien had been wearing Yes. all right all right why do you not any longer have this what happened to it
7: well in dealing with the, uh, the people who have helped me one of the biggest problems is having some kind of safety some personal safety and I was told that as long as I had this in my possession I was in very, very serious danger, and they were right. So I gave it up. I said, "Store it, you know, analyze it, store it, and do whatever we have to to keep it safe." Right. And that's what I've done. Now at this moment, and I want this everybody to hear this, I do not know where it is. I don't know what country it's in. I don't know how to get it back. But I have one contact who supposedly will contact someone else and contact someone else and contact someone else, yes. as in a network of people, very similar to a combination. And that's the only way that it could ever be retrieved.
0: But you think it could? You could retrieve it potentially. I,
7: I potentially yes. Do I think I could do it alone? Absolutely not.
0: All right. All right. I and, would
7: need these people.
0: All right. Well, the photographs are up there for all to see, and they are extremely clear, and so I'm sure we'll get a lot of feedback on them.
7: The materials that it's made out of are really unique. It's a radical mixture of silicon polymers, beryllium, aluminum, which is a unique substance in itself, manganese, magnesium, zinc, copper, bismuth, gold, gold and other undetermined material.
0: All right. uh, Now, coming back to here you are in your car. You're going home, uh, because what else are you going to do? So you you throw this thing, toss it in the back of the car, and you head home, right? I headed home thinking I'm going to take this thing somewhere. I went to the ranger station, which
7: there was no one there. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, this is the closest thing I could go to some where I could of get authority.
0: Some help. Some, uh, authority, yes.
7: Right, and there was no one there.
0: So you went home.
7: I was violently sick. I proceeded to go home. I had to stop probably every 10 miles and get out of the car to throw up and to try to regain some strength. And I found my way home. And okay. I got home. I drove myself basically into my carport. I sat there thinking, you know, has anything of this has this really happened? Has, you know, was this just a bad dream or a nightmare or a bad trip?
4: right? And I
7: looked in the the mirror, the rear view mirror in the car, and I could see the thermal blanket wrapped up in the back of the jeep. No dream. And I went in the house. you know, I just went in the house. I couldn't deal with it. I just could not deal with it at that time. and and later on, You know, an hour or so later, I came back out, and it was there, and I thought, well, what can I do with this? Where can I hide it? Where can I put it? And I thought, well, it's dead. It's neat. I'll put it in the freezer in the garage. At least I don't have
0: to deal with it. That's where you put bodies. That's where I put it. And you thought it was dead. That's right. So into the freezer it went.
7: Absolutely.
0: And how how long did it stay in that freezer, uh, Doctor, before you retrieved it?
7: Well, I, about uh, about six hours went by, and I, I mean, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't move. I went in the house and called my friends. I got nobody. I left messages. Uh, you know, I was pacing. I was trying to figure out. You know, what in the hell was I going to do? And I went back out and drug it out and looked just to see if it was really there. And it was there. It was still there. You. I drug you... it. I drug it into. the the open side of the garage, basically entering the part of my house. Right. And I got out the video camera and I videotaped it. Right. And people say, how could you do that? How could you come to do that? I didn't have anything else to do. In my mind, my mind was saying, don't believe this. This isn't true. This isn't happening to you. This isn't in front of your face.
0: All right. So gather evidence, obviously.
7: So unconsciously I just did it it was
6: what I had in hand so Jonathan's brain went into overdrive
0: I hear you and was so parts you,
6: of it that took over. you did that
0: is that when you took the uh, the samples by the way
6: no the samples were done later
7: when Gary and I did an examination we removed the body from the freezer we unwrapped it in the garage on a large table we did the close-up examination.
0: Okay, and that's when the samples were taken.: That's by. when we
7: took the sample.:
0: All right, uh, At some point, this is the horror of it uh, for a lot of people. The alien was in the freezer, and you came out to your garage, and that freezer was making noise, wasn't it? Right? Three
7: and a half days from the day, the moment that I brought it home, I had handled the body four and five times. Right. I had shown it to my girlfriend, to Gary. Uh, to several people, right? And put it back in the freezer. This was a you know frozen piece of meat, but it was frozen in a different way. It wasn't frozen solid like a piece of pork or, or a, a steak. It wasn't like hard as rock. It was still a little bit pliable. And we took it out, we analyzed it, we did that, we took photographs, we videotaped that, took the samples, I put it back in. I went out to the freezer a couple days later because I was having a professor from my university come over to take a look at what I had. Yes, and? And I heard this noise, this noise that I thought was, it sounded like the compressor was going out.
0: On your freezer. Uh,
7: Because it was an older freezer. It wasn't brand new. Right. And it was kind of a scratching sound while, while it was running. I could hear the freezer running, but it just was a strange, erratic sound.
4: Great.
0: Yes.
7: And then I thought, well okay, the compressor's running, so that's okay. And then I thought, well, maybe I've got rats in my garage because it was an exterior garage from the house. Right. And I thought, well, if that's the case, you know, i got to get them out of here or if the compressor's going out, I better start cleaning out my freezer or my refrigerator in the house.
0: Right, of course.
7: So I just thought, well, I'm going to check the temperature inside the freezer. Sure. Because there's a thermometer. See if it's up still. To the door. Yep. So I popped the lid open. And this thing sat up and screamed at me, and I just lost it. I just totally lost control of myself, and I slammed the lid, and I ran in the house as fast as I could.
0: Oh, my God. It screamed at you.
7: It screamed like I've never heard a sound before, except similar to what it did when I hit it in the woods. And I'm thinking... At that moment, I'm not thinking, but after I'm in the house, in a panic, I'm thinking, how can this happen? This is impossible. I know what I put in. I know what I've been examining. I know what I've taken pieces of, of the skin. This thing cannot be moving. But it was. It was 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 moving. moving.
0: It was moving.
7: And like I said, I went in the house. I called my friend Gary, who had helped me through all of this. He had seen it. He had been there. I mean, we'd handle this thing. And he, you know, I got a hold of him. He came over. I said, look, we have a bigger problem. And I said, it's its alive. And he thought, you know, I was losing my mind. And he thought I was pulling a joke on him. And I said, I'm not kidding you. And I took him out and I showed it to him. And I opened the lid and it sat up and moved and Screamed again
0: what kind of uh, may I ask what kind of scream it was or what what it sounded like to you or
7: well uh, on your other show we did play that scream because in later days after that point I actually recorded that scream on tape
0: yeah I know it was, it it
7: was just I mean like a banshee type scream in fact the scream was so loud, when and so strong it almost made me feel like it was pushing the air against my chest
0: mm-hmm.
7: after I uh,
0: I think I, think I might have something uh, a few well, hours had gone by and I had called Gary back I'm trying to play some of this hold on just one a second me down. this is from a and previous show practically around the ceiling um,
7: we may we get both it both went here. out to, uh, to look again look again consistent you know you know we we went out and looked we did the same thing i opened the freezer Mm -hmm. so that i could know that i was not imagining this
0: i'm playing this from a previous show the
7: same thing happened and when the freezer was opened this thing let out a scream like i have never heard before it literally the force of the sound made you feel like something was pushing against your chest.
6: The, the air around it as it screams actually bubbles and moves. It felt like the air was moving.
0: God.
7: And at that time, it was just, you know, open and closed. And later on, I felt like I had to try to document this. Of course. So I took my camera and I took the recorder and I turned it on. And I again opened the freezer, and that's when I recorded this sound.
0: Would you uh, would you play the sound for us once again, please? Yes, I will. Hold on. Okay, here here it comes. say the same thing now my god does that sound familiar doctor
9: yeah it is familiar
0: yeah okay well there it was now uh now doctor uh, gee i've got to stop that thing from rolling i'm getting it from my own website people can hear that on my website
6: it's uh, certainly a sound that turns your blood to ice
0: it does uh, then all of a sudden here come what for a lack of a better name i'll call the men in black who um ransack your house they take the alien they take the freezer they take the garage down, and as we heard described earlier, and you're on the run, and somewhere here recently, Doctor, you got shot. How in heaven's name were you shot? Where and when?
7: Well, uh, we had gone to San Diego after your show to, to uh, present this information to the San Diego UFO Society. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm thinking things are much calmer now. You know, I've presented this information to the public. Yes. Both on your forum and in, in person. And I'm a lot more relaxed. You know, I figure, okay, things are, things are back to normal as far as I don't have to worry so much because you kind of let it out of the bag. Sure. So I went home from San Diego.
0: We don't have a lot of time here, so. Okay, can't...
7: and I, when, I went, when I went back to where I was staying at the time, which was in Canada, I went to sleep. I got up the next day. I went out. I had breakfast. I got a newspaper, and as I was coming back to my car, a man forced me against the side of my car at gunpoint with a gun in my chest, a man in his early 30s dressed in a jogging suit. He said nothing. He pushed me back. As he pushed me back, I grabbed the gun, and I forced it away from the center of my chest, up and to my left, and it went off probably because i grabbed it but it was a reaction it was not conscious okay
0: and and then what
7: and it fired
4: and it It fired through my
7: shoulder
0: you went to the hospital obviously
7: no i didn't it fired and i fell to the ground i thought it had maybe missed me at that moment i didn't even think about it i didn't even know that it had hit me i thought it just made a bang and it
1: It missed
0: me. I got you. Doctor, you're going to have to hold on. For those who get the last hour, lucky you. For those of you who don't, sorry about that. More to come. I'm Art Bell.
1: You showed me how to do exactly what you do. guess there's no use in hanging around. Guess I'll get pressed into the town. I'll find some crowded avenue. Though it will be empty without you. Can't get used to losing you no matter what.
2: Want to take a ride? Well, call Art Bell from west of the Rockies at 1-800-618-8255. East of the Rockies at 1-800-825-5033. First-time callers may reach out at 1-775-727-1222. The wildcard line is open at 1-775-727-1295. And to reach out on the toll-free international line, call your AT&T operator and have them dial 800-893-090. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell on the Premier Radio Networks.
0: Well, good morning. We're right in the middle of it. Once again, Dr. Jonathan Reed and Robert Wraith are my guests. And we're talking about the alien in the freezer story with a whole lot of supporting evidence. If you want to see it and or hear it, it's all on the web on my website right now at www.artbell.com. It'll be right there at the top of the list of the latest news items. You can't miss it. Examine the photographs, the scans of the negatives, which I don't think anybody has ever done before. I did that on the spur of the moment. And, of course, the associated sound clips, one of which is the scream of that alien when it sat straight up in the freezer. (laughs) Anyway, we'll get back to all of this and some of your phone calls this hour. The white LED trek light has got to be one of the premium Christmas presents you could give to anybody uh, you love this year. Instead of the same old tired Christmas present stuff, how about this? A flashlight that's better than a flashlight by a lot. Regular flashlight has a bulb. it'll break. No, it'll break if you drop it. But even if you don't, it's dead in about 20 hours. Usually a couple of D-cells, right? They'll last, oh, 30 or 45 minutes, then you're in the dark. Well, there's something new under the sun, and what a gift for Christmas. I mean, what a gift for Christmas. It, it's a, a different kind of light, folks. It has an LED array that produces a nice diffuse white light. And the LED array, instead of a bulb, will last 100,000 hours. It operates on three AA batteries that come with it, by the way. Batteries included is the phrase I think used. And they will last, under normal use conditions, get this, two or three years. I mean, you've got to worry about the batteries leaking uh, more than you do anything else. And then once the two or three years is gone, you put three more batteries in and you get another two or three years of operation. Now with the uncertain weather conditions uh, I guess we'll put it that way ahead Y2K can you think of a better present to give the gift of light to one of somebody you love yourself your family here's the deal uh, if you buy one it's 34.95 if you buy 3 or more you pay only $29.95 each you don't have to go to the store in the mall for this one. All you've got to do is pick up the phone in the morning before stock runs out, and it's going fast. By the way, C. Crane Company is very proud to announce that the U.S. military has now adopted their first LED flashlight, a special version of the CC Expedition Light, which you can also get. So, the gift of light. Call Bob Crane in the morning. one Again, 1-800-522-8863. They've got it. The gift of light at the C. Crane Company. How would you like to look and feel 10 years younger in 10 weeks? Now there's proof that aging can be slowed down and even reversed. You've heard me talk several times about the incredible age-reversing benefits of HGH, Human Growth Hormone. Well, according to many scientific studies, higher HGH levels can help you look and feel younger. That's why I'm taking Ultimate HGH, a natural formula without hormones designed to boost your body's own production of HGH. If your goal is to help improve energy, stamina, lose unwanted fat, diminish wrinkles, enhance memory, immune function, and vision, then Ultimate HGH is for you, too. When you order two bottles of Ultimate HGH, you'll get a third bottle absolutely free. That's only $33 a month, a tremendous savings off a typical $100 a month for comparable products. Plus, you receive a free audio cassette tape on the incredible benefits of HGH. So, call Great American Products now at one eight hundred five five seven four six two seven. 557 4627 That's one eight hundred five five seven. 557 one more time, one eight hundred five five seven four six two seven. Once again, Dr. Jonathan Reed and Robert Wraith. Gentlemen, welcome back. Thank you, Art. Thank you, Art. Um, the name of your book again, please? Link, An Extraterrestrial Odyssey. Self-published? Uh, yes. Uh, Did you include photographs and so forth? Yes, we did. You did, so it's all in there. It's all in
6: there. And, and, And let me say something a little bit about the book. The book was written from an emotional standpoint. Jonathan wanted people that read the book to really feel what he experienced. That was very important. Oh, I think that's good.
0: Uh, The number for the book, and that's the only place you can get it. It's not at Amazon.com or anything yet.
7: You can either go to our website at www.odysseylink.net. Right. It tells you where everything is there. Right. Or for those of you who don't have a computer, you can call 1-800-905-8367.
0: That's 1-800-905-8367. All right. Doctor, you were shot.
7: I was shot, and the the
0: unique thing of what happened during this
7: moment was the gun went off, and the gentleman that had his face in my face looked really surprised, like this wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah,
0: he wasn't supposed to shoot. I
7: fell to the ground against the car that I was up against.
4: Right.
7: He kind of halfway fell a little bit, like, you know, he had a hold of my shoulder, my other shoulder at that time, my right shoulder. Right. And then stood back up very calmly and very slowly, looked around, took the gun, put it underneath his, like like a jogging suit jacket, holstered it, and walked away. He didn't rob me. He didn't check my wallet. He didn't do anything. He didn't panic. He never said a word. And that's... So. Unusual.
0: So, uh, but yes, but here you are shot. Uh, I'm
7: laying against the car. A guy came over, a man kind of came running over and said, what happened? You know, did you get robbed? What's going on? Right. And I said, no, I think I'm okay. I'm okay. He says, no, you're not. You're, there's blood all over your arm. And i that's the first time I realized that I had gotten shot.
0: Mm-hmm. That happens to a lot of people. They, they really don't realize at first they've been shot.
7: Well, I thought, you know, I thought I felt the heat of the gun, mm-hmm. and I thought it missed me. But then I realized that it had gone through the surface of my skin and out through my back. And basically, this was a very small caliber, and we know what caliber it is because we retrieved the shell. What was it? It was a nine millimeter.
0: Nine millimeter. That's not that small.
7: And it went right
0: through basically my trapezius muscle and out the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, so then, what did you do? I mean, did well, you go- the
7: guy helped me up, and he says, "Well, I'll go call an ambulance." I said, "No, no." I mean, I'm I'm back in shock. I'm in fear of my life at this moment, and I just was panicking. And I got in my car and I drove back to where. I was staying. I was staying with some people who were basically putting me up. Now, these were people who were the Alliance. Right. The guy I was staying with, and if you recheck the other program, he was a doctor. He was a physician, Mm -hmm. a medical physician. Well, I walked in, his wife called her husband. He came home, and he cleaned the wound out, and he treated it and wrapped it up. And I stayed there for months.
0: Uh, <laughs> Re- recovering, actually, yeah. I guess, huh?
7: And luckily it didn't break any, any major artery. It didn't, a little bit lower. It would have went right through my collarbone. But uh, So no, you,
0: I, you've been on the run.
7: Yes Ever I since have.
0: this whole thing began, you've been on the run.
6: One way or another, yes. Needless to say, this has given Jonathan a new view on the fact that uh, we have a right as citizens to defend ourselves.
7: Absolutely.
6: And as a matter of fact, when Jonathan looked into getting a bulletproof vest, Art, do you know it is illegal for him to own a bulletproof vest? In the United States. In the United States. It's illegal for us to protect no, I, ourselves. I no, I had no
0: idea. I had no idea. That is utterly absurd. Because the police
7: can't take you out. That's why it's illegal.
0: So just the police can have bulletproof vests? Just the police
6: vest. can have bulletproof vests.
0: That's right. Well, that's insanity.
6: They're trying to take everything away from us to defend ourselves.
0: Well, in the state of Washington, as you know, you can get a permit to carry a concealed weapon.
6: Yes, oh, you I can. This is one of the last bastions of, of some monicum of
0: self-protection. You know, out, out west here, we have several states, mine included, where you can do that. And
7: uh, Let's put it this way. I never used to like the idea of weapons. I now feel... It's a
0: necessary tool. Yeah. I understand. Believe me, I understand. Um, All right, so we've presented an awful lot of evidence tonight. I don't know what people are going to think of it. Uh, There's no way to know what people are going to think of it, but it is pretty solid evidence, medical evidence, evidence from your uh, landlord, evidence from uh, a MUFON person who has seen what the rest of the public has not seen, I would like to take some calls from the public and let them ask you questions if you're up for that. Sure. Is there any part of the story you want to get in that we have missed?
7: Well, just that this is an ongoing struggle to try to deal with just me wanting to tell a story. You know, I, I something happened to me, and isn't it interesting that if none of this is true, why do people keep you know, driving us off the road, you know, taking the things that I have.
6: I had my computer sabotaged.
0: When did that occur?
6: That occurred about six months ago. Someone took my computer completely out, a hacker. We also I, had get, lost, I had to purchase a new hard drive and, and everything else. All right, we
7: also lost uh, pictures off of the website. Now, something to note here. This website is independently run and owned, not by Robert or myself. Right. It is done by another gentleman who is just a fabulous computer guy. We call him the web author. Cole the web author. Without him, we would not be worldwide, just like yourself, Art. But this website has, has told people this story. The whole story is up there of what happened in chronological order. But we had pictures, similar pictures to what you have, but different pictures, more pictures. People took them and stole them off the web, reproduced them, and somebody called me who was visiting Italy and said, "Did you know these pictures are being distributed in a in a booklet?" Oh my! I said, "No."
0: Well, that's sure. not, you know, I'm sorry to say it's not that unusual on the web. People steal things all the time. But right?
7: what was interesting, Art, is what the text said that was with the pictures.
0: And what was that?
7: They said that Robert and I were living high on the hog outside of London laughing at
0: everyone.
6: Oh, really? Absolutely absurd. Uh, so basically, actually, you've been on the
0: run, and a, a lucrative uh, medical practice you had is all way gone, right? That's for sure.
7: Now, I have since regained some of my credentials, and I have been asked to teach this fall in Japan at a university. Oh, no kidding. So my life somewhat is going to become back to normal if I accept that Mm position. But for the most part, my life has been destroyed. I will never have what I had,
6: at least in peace of mind. This, is, this has definitely been an ongoing situation. Jonathan has been ab- abducted. Um, he's been terrorized. Shot. He's been shot. Uh, all all manner of, of terroristic activities. And people say, turn well, gee, to what, why didn't you just run down to the police
7: department and, and turn in a report? Yeah, right.
6: Art, you know damn well what it's like to try to get certain people to give you information so that you can protect your beloved family. That's right. You know what that's like. I do indeed. And that's exactly what we have here. Another case where people say, well, Art and well, Dr. Reed, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? It's not that simple. It's never that simple. And in a case as serious as this one, it's impossible. One of the things... Kind of
0: well, I think, let me tell you, two something. I, I, I think one of the reasons that you get a very angry reaction to your story... Is because it's so well documented. In other words, most stories of this kind are just sort of told, and you, you, you've got to believe this. You've got to believe a description. You've got to believe um, this or that. With your story, you've got photographs. You've got physical evidence. You've got witnesses. You've got a lot, and 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 so it's such a strong story that for those who don't believe in this sort of thing, they get. Angry.
6: They get art, absolutely art. furious because they're <clears throat> grasping at fumes. What was that fact that uh, that came over your show the other day when Richard was on your show about, uh, well, this can't be real. Richard has too much information. Yeah. And the right. same thing the, with the these photographs. photographs these well, photographs if the are photographs were, were blurry, the, uh, that's another thing. Um, it's absolutely,
0: that, that's another thing. You put a photograph up on the website. Of a UFO, and a lot of times people take pictures of UFOs that do come out blurry because they're scared, they're in shock, you know, they don't get a good photograph. Well, in your case, you got very clear photographs, and so what's the complaint? What's the bitch? They're too clear. Too clear.
7: (laughs) I want to say something. In
0: reality, though,
7: we have had 90% positive reinforcing support from... Thousands. And oh, I, I mean, know. thousands of emailers and your listeners Art. We have dedicated the book to you and your listeners.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. For really them bad.
7: and yourself, helping us to get this information out. Without you and them, I would have never done this. I would have found a rock and crawled all under for good. Well, hey but guys, these,
0: I'm going to be as as requested, sending the um, uh, the information back to you, and um, hopefully you'll send me an autographed copy of the book.
6: Absolutely, absolutely, Art, definitely. Boy, would I love that. Hey, we'll definitely get one. I would like to hand it to you, (laughs) personally.
0: Well, that sounds
4: dangerous.
0: (laughs) 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 All right, look, I want to take a few phone calls here. I have no idea what's going to come up. Um, East of the Rockies, you're on the air with uh, Dr. Uh, Reed and Robert uh, Wraith. Hi. Hello. Hello.
10: Yes, this is Jeremy in Louisville, Kentucky.
0: Jeremy, you're going to have to yell at us. You're not okay, too loud. Okay, you this better? Um, loud as you can. Go ahead.
6: Yeah, sorry about this. Um, yeah, I was just wanted to ask uh, Dr. Reed about that, um, that device that uh, he found. Right. Yeah. yeah um, last time he was on, I was wondering about um, more information about what, what kind of uh, needles or pins were um, coming out from it.
7: They were gold needles, three. Three gold needles protruding from the bottom of the surface and at the base of each one was an emerald-like sphere that it was going right through the center. These were thought to basically be impaled into the arm of the wearer. Oh. So this is not just an electronic de- device. It's also basically bio
0: biologically driven as well yeah, In other as words, that was a biological interface. In the
6: sample in Japan, they found organic material, uh, vein-like things running through uh, the, the blend of metals.
7: <sighs> yeah, almost like a plant-like construction of material.
0: Does that help you, caller? Yes, it does. Thanks a lot. All right. Well, thank you very much for the call. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Dr. Reed and yeah. Robert Wraith. Hi. Yeah, hi, Art.
7: Bill
0: here. Uh, Bill, you too must yell at us. Go ahead.
7: Oh, okay, I'm sorry, I just turned off my TV. Uh, I can understand why there's problems with people believing these gentlemen. It's because there's enough evidence for people to attack or to accept. Yep. And that allows for people with either beliefs or disbeliefs on this subject to support that kind of thinking.
0: That's true. My position
7: is that I don't care about... Whether it's true or not, I just want to know what he thinks he understands as a result of this that makes it meaningful to risk his life and the lives of others
0: to go public. All right. That's a decent enough uh, question. And really, doctor, it's right. You could have shut up about all of this and gone on with life. What, What was so compelling about it that made you decide to go public?
7: Two of my friends that were involved with me during these nine days, I thought were both dead. One of them is I found this wonderful woman that was like a second mother to me, and I found her dead after three hours earlier speaking to her. She was holding material, some of my evidence for me, and I found her dead in her kitchen and no sign of any of the material she was holding for me. My friend Gary I thought was dead the last time we were on the show. Mm-hmm. And I, I found him it wasn't.
0: He was not dead.
7: But he is one step away from it. He will never, ever be the same. He is a broken man beyond any type of... <sighs> he, How? He, he, just, he was beaten
0: and abducted.
6: Absolutely
7: horrendous days.
0: shape. How did you keep your own sanity, doctor? I can only say that
7: I had the support of a lot of good people who tried to take care of me. And from time to time, I lose it. You know, and one of the reasons I lose it is because this shouldn't be happening. You know, Richard Hoagland said the other night, he says, there's a rogue element within NASA. That's right. Well, you damn well better believe that there's a rogue element that are keeping us all blind to the real truth that's going on. And I've held those people in front of me. I know they're real. This is not a fallacy. This is a reality. And you people out there, and a lot of you know, I mean, a lot of the people, I've talked to hundreds of people, they know the truth, but they're scared to death.
0: All right, Dr. it well, there, we're them. at the bottom of the hour. I, I clearly understand what you're saying, and the odds of us ever going back to where we started from, I think, are slim and nil. I'm Art Bell. This is Coast to Coast AM.
1: The Romance in our head, heaven's holding a half moon, shining just for us. Let's slip off to a sand.
2: Take a ride. Call Art Bell from west of the Rockies at 1-800-618-8255. East of the Rockies, 1-800-825-5033. First-time callers may reach Art at 1-775-727-1222. The wildcard line is open at 1-775-727-1295. And to call Art on the toll-free international line, call your AT&T operator and have them dial 800-893-0903. Three. This is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell from the Kingdom of Nye. Good
0: morning all. Dr. Reed is here. Robert Wraith is here. And the incredible story of the alien in the freezer, which doesn't really do justice to all that happened, but people tend to uh, sort of wrap things in short form, and that's what they call it, the alien in the freezer story. ...is what we're talking about, and we're taking calls, and we'll get back to all of that in a moment. All right, uh, here we go again, back to my guests. Gentlemen, are you there?
6: Yeah. Yes, I am, Martin. Um, if I could, I'd like to add something about that that last call. Yeah, sure. Um, The interesting thing is whenever science or theocracy or religion is challenged, it can have dire effects. Um, Giordano Bruno lost his life and Galileo his freedom by bringing new information to the world. Yes. And to watch a person die in ignorance because you don't have the intestinal fortitude to come forward with what you know to be true is a very difficult life to lead. And Jonathan was left between a rock and a hard place, and he chose to be a stand-up individual and come forward with the information, much like uh, Mr. Chacon and Larry, who came forward of their own initiative to give this information freely to the world tonight.
0: Boy, I hear you, and I'm I'm with that all the way. I mean, uh, these are people who stepped forward, and they seemed entirely credible to me, so... Very much so. All right. Uh, west of the Rockies, you're on the air with uh, Dr. Reed and Robert Raythei.
6: How are you gentlemen tonight? Uh,
0: all right, sir. Where are you?
6: I'm calling from Utah. My name is Jerry. Okay, Jerry. Hey, I would I agree with Mr. Reed and uh, his assessment of society today that uh, I'm a
7: concealing carry owner myself. Um, I don't like it, but unfortunately society dictates that I do do that. Um, I would like to offer Mr. Reed... Uh, a chance, I do have access to a bulletproof vest, and I would like to donate one to him if he would be willing to accept that offer. Thank you, but uh, I think I've already taken care of that
6: that situation. Okay. Although that's incredibly appreciated. It's very gen- generous. Yes. Again, Art, this is the kind of support we get quite often from your wonderful listeners.
0: Well, that is amazing. Uh, I'm glad that you've taken care of it, and I am—I really am shocked to uh, to hear that a private citizen, it's unlawful for a private citizen to have a, a bulletproof vest. That's thats amazing. In the United
7: States, it is a federal law. Yeah,
0: it's a felony. In other words, you can own a gun to get into a gunfight if you have to, to protect your life.
6: Do, do you think the but people... But you can't
0: buy a vest to protect your life. That's Absolutely.
6: Right. Do you think the people that, that are coming after you are going to care about of federal law, I mean, they're coming, you know, to, they're that's,
7: coming that's, to kill you. Right. That's a, a good point, Robert, is I want to say, you know, people people sincerely say, and they have good questions, and they say, well, why didn't you just follow the normal rules? And the reason I haven't followed the normal rules and I've stayed alive is because these people don't play by normal rules.
0: Besides, what the hell are the normal rules for a situation like this? That's right. (laughs) Right. And these
7: these people aren't following the law. The law are for the majority of what I call the sheep, the rest of us that follow in in blind faith, thinking that everything is going to be fine and that everything we are told
12: is the truth. Well, it's not.
0: I'm with you. First time caller line, you're on the air with uh, Dr. Reed, Robert, Rafe and Art Bell. Good morning.
12: Um, good morning, Mr. Bell. Um, my name is Brooks. I'm from Vaughan, Washington. All right. Um, I saw one of those things once. You mean? Those little silvery things. So I don't know, whatever it was. I was I work in Seattle, and uh, I was coming down the Alaskan Way Viaduct. and It was about 1986, and uh, there was one of these things, and it came down out of the atmosphere.
0: Now, what, what do you mean? The obelisk? What you what call the obelisk? Is that what you're
12: referring to? Uh, this is a disc-type thing, but whatever was inside had to have been the same size that he had in his uh, Internet picture. The uh, the thing with the pink eyes, I don't know if he's got that picture up there yet, but I... Uh, he's talking about the creature. Yes. Yeah, the one that was in the freezer? Yes. But um, as what I wanted to relate to is I saw this disc come down, and it looked like it had a little dome thing on top, and it looked like it opened up, and it had, like, a fire-type flame coming out of the top. And it came down and hovered over the section of 4th and Royal brome. And when I got underneath it, I was on my motorcycle, it felt like it was, like, gravity coming down in reverse. And it looked like there was a little TV screen in the front of the thing.
0: So you had an experience, in other words.
12: Basically, yes. But when I saw the picture, I was thinking that... um, You know, whatever was inside that thing had to have been, you know, one of the same kind of creatures he was looking at. Now, later on, when I was, I lived up in the Fremont area of Seattle at the same time, I went down by Gasworks Park, and I saw these weird-looking red eyes with these sparkles coming out of it. It was like they were following me around or something. Now, I I don't know exactly how, you know, I've read a few books on this stuff, but, um, you know, It completely disrupted my life after I saw this thing.
0: Well, it it would do that. Of course it would disrupt your life. Now, obviously other people have had um, different and or somewhat similar experiences, Um, Doctor, and their lives, too, have been changed forever. Many, though, have chosen not to go public, not to talk about it, and not to go through the hell that you have been through. I, I still applaud you for going public. I'm not so sure that I would have with the kind of story that you have.
7: Well, I don't know if it's been such a good idea or not, but, <laughs> but like I was trying to say earlier, and I apologize for getting so emotional, but I did this because I felt my friends had helped me, and I watched them one by one basically drop away from me. Yeah. And I am left with this legacy to know that because of what I did, I affected and impacted their lives, and that can't be changed. And at this point, I don't want to have them be gone for nothing. You know, I want this to mean something for what they at least tried to do for me. You know, and I don't care if anybody doesn't believe this, but I know a lot of people do,
4: and a I lot know a lot do. of people have
7: and, seen and, uh, seen things like this, and and are being quiet about it because they've been threatened. Or they're scared to death. Well, it's about time somebody said, this stuff is happening.
0: Do you think the entire incident, Doctor, with the alien, um, when it began with your dog, if it had not begun that way, if, if the alien had not been attacked by your dog, if the alien had not attacked back, if you hadn't reacted in the way you had, if everything had been different and there had been an encounter... Do you think it would have all come out in a different way? Well,
7: I definitely think it would have been different. But one of the biggest things that I've learned by talking to other people who have experienced similar things, and we're saying similar creatures and people who have been in the know of this information, like uh, 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 you know people like Whitley Strieber and and, Heini Masson from Mexico, yes, and Jacques Vallee. Yes. I've talked to these people. I've listened to their stories. They've listened to mine. And I have said, would I have done this different? What would have been different? What could have been different? Well, chances are, if it would have been one second later, I would have never seen this thing. Because what might have happened, and this is speculation, but speculation with some degree of accuracy. If my dog had not have got hold of this thing's arm, It may have had this link controller on it. The thing probably would have shifted into another dimension.
0: And it would have just not been there when you came over the hill.
7: Exactly. Yeah. Because this vibration, this this paint shaker-like shaking motion, is what is now thought to be changing from one dimension to another.
0: That's right. I've heard that from many, many, many people. Uh, east of the Rockies, you're on the air with Doctor Reed and Robert Reith. Hi.
5: Hi. How are you guys?
0: All right. Where are you, huh?
5: I'm in Miamisburg, Ohio. All right. Um, I have a question for John, and also a comment or two. Sure. Um, the question is: Is uh, you said Gary is okay? I mean, it's alive, but you didn't speculate, you or I didn't hear you say he was all right. I
0: think barely
6: alive is what he said.
5: Mm-hmm. He, is, he is a
6: shell of
0: a man. Mm-hmm.
6: Gary's anything but all right. Gary is a mess.
5: Oh man. Well he's been, I'm sorry
6: he's to been hear put that put through the most rigorous psychological hell you could imagine.
5: He was
7: also physically beaten in his you know, around and about his head to where it did some very serious damage. I mean we're not talking about just, you know, a whack, you know, on the arm. We're talking about somebody beating him literally to death.
5: Okay. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, is there any way, though, um, I could get um, bu- your book on audio cassette?
7: Well, we're working on that. We're going to work on getting them on audio cassette for, for the uh, sight impaired. And, uh, you know, we can only do so much at a time. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a good, a good point to say. The reason this hasn't come out sooner is because I've had tremendous problems. Robert's had tremendous problems getting a publisher to back us without backing out himself. Yeah, I mean, yeah they're, they're fine with
6: it in the beginning, and then all of a sudden there's some kind of problem.
7: There are nervous. I mean, Something's I
6: mean, happened. But
7: big problems, like one of the printer's building burned down.
0: Oh, that's a problem.
7: Right. <laughs> I mean, this isn't a little thing. These are, these are big issues. But people don't realize
4: that
7: this stuff is going on. I do. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I do. <laughs> when I
6: talked to uh, to to Whitley uh, after the first time we were on our Bell, he had mentioned to me um, the hell he went through to get certain things published.
0: Oh, through. unbelievable! And, I, I, and
6: I, manuscripts have been lost. I absolutely. Mean, that man was put through absolute
7: hell. Oh,
0: absolutely. And yeah. he has
6: been so supportive. To our
0: cause. His house, and, his house by the way, has almost uh, burned down. I mean, he's, had, right. he's been that's terrorized. Right. No question about it. Um, and I, I know that to be a fact. Uh, what's a good friend? West of the Rockies, you're on the air with uh, Dr. Jonathan Reed and Robert Wraith. Hello.
11: Hello, Art Bell. Hi. Um, actually, listening to this is kind of making me angry because, you know, you have had uh, people on like Stephen Greer, Steve Bassett, Peter Gersten, um, so many of your guests, including Whitley Strieber, that have said, give us some concrete evidence. My word, you've got it. Gentlemen, are are you working with any of these guys? Are these guys working with you? Are you sharing this information? If you're ever going to have anything to break this open, don't you have it now?
7: That's right. Well, we're trying to share it with the world. And unfortunately... And, again, we have a problem. The problem is some organizations are not as legitimate as what they want us all to believe. Mm -hmm. Now, I won't mention any names or throw any mud.
6: Absolutely.
7: But I have had to carefully,
11: painstakingly,
7: go to private individuals who I trusted, who I could find that would help me through this one step at a time. And like I said... This is, you know, basically a, a, a team operation. I've had tremendous support from your listeners, Art, who have kept me in their homes, who have fed me, who have loaned me their cars for months at a time, who have supported me. This is the only way I have survived.
11: Gosh, I wish I could help. Art Bell, I have a question for you. Sure. I'm going to raise your right hand and swear that you tell, will tell the truth.
5: <laughs>
11: <laughs> have you been uh, coerced? Threatened, bought in any way to sort of discredit these guys? No. Well,
0: well, I have been, yes, I have been threatened, not by official sources, uh, but unofficially I've been threatened for presenting the story on the air. Yeah, you bet. Well,
11: it just seems to me that that's proof in itself also. So I don't have
0: to hold up my right hand about that. There's been a landslide of... uh,
7: one other thing, Art, have you been bribed to let us do
0: this? No. Of course not. Because that's just as important. No, of
6: course not. As you can see, this is one of the reasons we're on the Art Bell Show, Coast to Coast. This is one of the reasons we trust Art.
7: Well, Art has stood about...
6: up for this kind of information. He's allowed an open forum for this kind of information. That's
0: one of the reasons I get in so damn much trouble, too. <laughs>
11: oh god bless you art i'm Dad. simply
0: old enough not to k- give a damn anymore all right thank you uh, very much uh, we're so short on time first time caller line you're on the air with dr jonathan reed and robert graith hello
12: oh my name is brooks again from von washington and i'm sorry Brooks, for, we're only
0: allowed uh, i'm sorry we're only allowed to take one call per customer per night east of the rockies you're on the air hi
12: yeah hello art this is buck from
10: virginia hi there uh, hi uh... dr reed uh, i find you very credible uh, however, a lot of people obviously may have different opinions. Uh, on, on December twenty first, 1998, Major Ed Dames was a guest on this program, and uh, he expressed a, a lot of disbelief in your uh, your claims. Um,
0: Actually, he was the one who thought that there was a shadow box. I'm, I'm trying yes, to remember sir. how he put it, a, a shadow box. Um, uh, the, the
4: obelisk uh, the photo. Obelisk, yeah. mm-hmm.
6: nobody, nobody is perfect, and... In and everybody that, has the right to their opinion. Absolutely. And Ed Dames simply made a mistake there. We have proven
10: a no major digital tampering,
6: tampering. We have proven no shadow box. We have proven those are real objects.
0: Yeah, we've got the negatives up there for you to look at for what it's worth, sir.
6: Absolutely. Remember that Ed Dames is a human being like anyone else and is entitled to make mistakes.
0: That's right. And he admits that uh, a certain percentage of what he does uh, is a mistake. I forget, 10%. 10%. Depending on uh, how many remote viewers are used. to the Rockies, we're short on time. You're on the air. Hi. Yes,
7: sir, Mr. Bell. This is Robert from the San Joaquin Valley, California, sir. Hi. Yes, sir. Uh, first,
6: I want to say to you from my heart, I wish you and your family a healthy and joyful holiday season. Th- thank you. Uh, gentlemen, just one question. Uh, I listened to you on Mr. Bell's show uh, before. And this is a
7: hypothetical uh, question, a scenario that I'd like to have you comment on, if you will. Um, I represent the um, ETS. They came uh, through a van that, was, that brought them to the drop-off points. The van had all of these antennas on it, looked like a porcupine, and they were there to take
0: samples and uh, earth samples, as well as other materials. Sir, this is obviously a long, drawn-out story that we're not going to have time to properly present. If you follow me. Well, he's gone. All right. It was obviously a pretty long story, and we have like a minute left. Um, So uh, we'll just move on. East of the Rockies, you're on the air very quickly with Dr. Jonathan Reed and Robert Wraith.
7: Yes, I wanted to tell your listeners, I'm calling from Hamilton,
10: uh, Ontario, Canada. Yes, sir. And uh, the intimidation that their friend received physically yes. happens at the federal political level
7: here. My best friend, it happened to him. He was taken away uh, for a couple of weeks and convinced not to enter uh, into federal politics. It It happens for a number of different reasons, including... Uh, the one that you're mentioning.
4: Yeah, in
0: other words, uh, this story of a shadow government or a shadow cabal behind everything. He, he, he knows intimately now about the Freemasons. All right, appreciate the call. Um, there you are, gentlemen. Uh, listen, we're out of time. I want to give you one more opportunity. You've got a book, finally. Uh, sure. It's it's taken a long time. And again, the name of your book is?
6: Ranked. An extraterrestrial
0: odyssey. All right. Um,
6: and the phone number is 1-800-905-8367, and operators are standing by. The book price is 19 plus shipping and handling.
0: All right. 1-800-905-8367, $19.95, and uh, it is the it is story that you've heard here and a lot more.
7: And we will we will be speaking at the International UFO Conference in March
0: in Laughlin, Nevada. Absolutely. That ought to be something.
6: And one last thing real quick. Um, uh, I wanted to thank um, all your listeners and you, Art, and uh, all those that came on tonight in defense of this very important case. Mr. Chacon, you took a great risk. Um, uh, unfortunately, it was a very small part of the sample left. But he did manage to get us the data that we needed.
0: Indeed. Thank you all so much for helping me. You too and everybody else out there, good night. Take care. Good night, y'all. Thank you, Art. And don't forget that autograph book. You betcha. Oh, we won't forget, (laughs) Art. All right. Your materials are on the way back. Take care. That's it, folks. We're out of time. It's going to be a very, very interesting week next week, and we're going to begin Tuesday night with Whitley Strieber for a very good reason. We've got a brand-new book out. It's going to be a bestseller. From the high desert, I'm Art Bell. Good night.